Blog Talk Radio. Psilocybin.
What's happening? What's happening? What's happening? Thanks for joining tonight. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's Coach Kyrie, and this is Coach K Radio. Tonight is the journey of the spiritual warrior with guest Kalinde E.E. This one is going to be part four in the series. We're just on four. We're just on the fourth episode. I don't know why I should keep calling it part four, or should I just start calling them episodes now? Um, yeah, this one is. This one is going to be quite, quite interesting. Um, but, of course, I can't do this one by myself. I got one of my partners in Ryan, partners in mine, riding shotgun with me. Can you please put your hands together for my man, Keith Sun, a.k.a. Fire Walk Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Pete. Hey, what's going on, Coach? What's going on, Coach? We got a good one tonight. Oh man, like just the whole, just this whole series. I really feel like I'm just. I, I got the next three shows set out. I didn't. I didn't tell Brother Kalindi um, what the next two topic was because he'll rest around and like pull them all into one, which is cool. And it might slip out. <laughs> it might slip out tonight in the conversation, but um, in what we've been talking about in the first two episodes, dealing with the. Um, the plant medicine, the uh, magic mushroom, and psilocybin and DMT specifically, I really feel that the whole thing has really been on, like he says, pushing the envelope on our spiritual journeys. What do you think about that? Yeah, it's time to turn it up a notch. It's time to turn it up a notch, you know, and there ain't but one place left to go. We done been everywhere. We done reassociated with Kemet in Egypt. We done took it to all the esoteric chambers and arcane and occult chambers we could take it to. We done tried the nationality and paperwork. We done been all these other places. There ain't but one place left to go, but into the hyperdimensional realms to turn up like Doctor Strange. Right, right, right. I was watching one of um one of Baba Kalinda's videos and he was like, We done found all the gods, but couldn't find like Bobby Hammond said, We older than the gods we found. And now we right. done 
not even not even looking at it even from that correct perspective. We keep on, you know, on this particular part of the journey is like we just spinning our wheels. And so um, one of the things that I, in my research and, and watching some of his countless lectures that he has on YouTube was about the story of Krishna and Ajant. Of course, I'm mispronouncing it. Arjuna. Arjuna. Yeah, yeah. Arjuna and Krishna, and where he was about to go, he was like, man, I don't really have time to go all the way into that. But in just that piece, it just really connected to the episode we had last week about being, two weeks ago, about being a part of a spiritual house. It's very important to be a part of a spiritual house because when death come or those sinister energies come, you can look them in the face and say, not me. But that takes a warrior-type attitude, a warrior-type mentality. And I think at some level, all of us on this particular path or journey um, are bringing out our aspects of um, our own personal spiritual warriors. So I know that you have been, you know, on your spiritual, like, which one do you use more? Do you use your regular you, or do you think that you need to pull out more of your spiritual warrior um, on this path when you're going more into the hyperdimensional realm? You got to pull out. You got to go tiger style. To use an old kung fu movie reference, you got to pull out the warrior. Uh, it's imperative. You need you need that to go into the dark and to turn up. You know what I'm saying? And to uh, understand that hero's quest, that internal hero's quest, a hero with a thousand faces, as they say. Yeah. Mm. Salute. Mm. Well, Salute. Well, 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 hey, we need a hot conversation tonight because it's cold up here, man. I need it's Arctic <laughs> temperatures, so I need a hot conversation tonight to heat me up. Let's go. I was looking at the news earlier, and they were talking about they use the word vortex. It was like it's some kind of cold front. Like Norman said, it's, they say it's a cold front. I'm in my forties. I never saw the news say use the word vortex on mm. on. On CNN to describe the weather, and I was like, "Why are y'all mm. using the word vortex?" But maybe, mm. maybe Baba Kalum uh, shines some light on that topic tonight. Uh, mm. The magic lesson mm. on the journey of the spiritual warrior, episode number four. The call-in number is nine one seven eight eight nine thirty eight zero three. And never before have I seen such mass movement toward beginning the spiritual path. Church attendance is down, and the search for enlightenment is up. But how do you get started, and what is to be expected? Well, tonight, international scholar and master teacher Kalinda Ee of the Tamarian Institute joins Coach Kyir and Firewater to help us decipher the journey of the spiritual warrior by breaking down the story of Krishna and Arjuna. As usual, this will be an envelope-pushing conversation, and there's going to be tons of extras. Pen and paper is a must. Please get on your feet. Raise your hand. Stomp your feet. Baba, thank you so much for joining us tonight. How are you feeling? I'm well. Uh, in the midst of the Arctic, uh, <laughs> the Arctic <laughs> vortex, as they say. Right. <laughs> right. We thought. Uh, reminds me of the reminds me of the start of the the uh, the younger dryers. <laughs> it gets worse. Oh, it gets much worse. <laughs> oh yeah, 
during the Younger Dryas, the temperatures were uh, about 15 degrees lower. So if we were in the midst of the Younger Dryas now, 11 degrees below zero, um, you would it would be you know uh, almost 30 degrees below zero, and that's due to climate change through a you know global cataclysm you know and the changing of the north atlantic current the gulf of uh mexican uh mexico the the uh the temperatures in the gulf of mexico which can plunge a you know uh the planet into a mini ice age and um we've had uh I think the last mini ice age ended in the 19th century because it went from the 1300s to the 19th century. So we actually live in the most hospitable climate that we have for the last uh, probably uh, 12,800 years when the Younger Drive started. Mm. So, uh, you know, and, and, climate is, and climate is changing. And it's not all, and it's not all man-made by carbon, uh, you know, by carbon fossil fuels being put into the atmosphere, it's also because of uh, just the uh, global climate changing. It goes through its cycles. It goes through ice ages and temperate climates and things like that. At the last uh, glacial maximum, which was 21,000 years ago, the sea levels were 400 feet lower than they are now. And 12,800 years ago, when the Younger Dryas uh, came in, um, sea levels, uh, once that mini ice age was over at 11,600 years ago, uh, 9,000 BCE, before the Common Era, uh, that's when the sea levels rose and uh, actually, you know, uh, deluged many of the older super civilizations that were uh, on Earth, of which only now we have megaliths, and only since, only in the last since 20, uh, 2007, and then 2017, that we're finding out that these uh, that these changes in temperatures and that great flood, the great flood, which sunk what is to uh, what we call today Atlantis. Of course, um, it wasn't actually named Atlantis, but um, you know, it uh, um, when the great civilization sunk in the sea, and many of the other coastal regions were um, flooded out. So much of the things that we want to understand about the ancient world is uh, is underwater, and we have to deal with marine archaeology and marine biology and all those different types of things, and uh, to start to bring these things up. And of course, uh, deal with cave culture. Have to deal with the uh, the cave cultures worldwide because when these cataclysms happen, many people uh, who were in high elevation uh, could hide in hide in caves. You know, it's a lot of things in the Grand Canyon that we have to look at as far as North America. North America was uh, heavily affected by this because this was the epicenter of the, um, the 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 impact of those uh, comets or asteroids or meteors, whatever they were, uh, they know don't know exactly what they were um, because you know 
comets and meteors are, are different. You know, the asteroids are, you know, they're basically uh, heavy metal, and the comets are more ice, but they have deposits of metal inside of them. And when they hit the atmosphere, they break apart. And when these things come in at between 70,000 and 100,000 miles per hour, and they hit, they do a lot of devastation. You know, they do a lot of devastation. And it uh, hit the North American ice ice cap, which was the Laurentide ice cap, which was the one that covered Michigan and Ohio and New York State and Wyoming and places like this. And when they hit in Michigan, um, at a, uh, uh, hit in Michigan, um, they knocked ice all the way to North and South Carolina, and they created what are called the Carolina Bays, which are these oblong depressions in the uh, in the earth that are now filled with water that go in a particular direction. You know, at Saginaw Bay, Lake Erie, uh, 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 Shore Lake Erie is uh, the lowest lowest elevation in Michigan because that's where one of the Comet struck, um, and it, it just devastated the, the land, you know, with uh, inland tsunamis with waves of, you know, a thousand, a thousand feet tall. That's almost tall as the Sears Tower, um, you know. So uh, this water would come in with not just water but the debris. It would bring whole forests and boulders and icebergs and everything coming through dragon scurrying, scouring the the land, you know, uh, just like in Washington State. Uh, the scab lands of Washington State show the uh, water degradation of the land and how it was brought through. And that wasn't just from uh, from Lake Missoula, which was uh, uh, in Montana, but the ice melting, and, I mean, it was a, a horrifying uh, to be at that time. So... Uh, we're we're lucky to be in a temperate climate, even though it's 11 below zero. Um, I have my meteor meteor watch from the Tord Meteor Stream. The Tord Meteor Stream um, are shards of a larger comet that was about uh, 100 kilometers uh, in length that broke apart, and uh, the first one that we have understanding of was 65 million years ago, the one that destroyed the dinosaurs and made it possible for mammals to proliferate on the earth because, you know, the, the dinosaurs have been around for a couple of hundred million years and they weren't going anywhere. Uh, but when this, uh, when this uh, about approximately 10 mile uh, wide uh, comet or asteroid hit the earth and we have the crater in the Yucatan, um, when it hit the earth, it killed everything in the first six seconds bigger than a chicken. And the surviving mammal, uh, it was good because it was it was smaller. It was a shrew, and it was smaller than, uh, you know, smaller than a chicken. So um, the the devastation of that is, is now well known and documented. And the most horrific uh, comet or asteroidal impact was 12,600 years ago uh, in Michigan, uh, which not only, uh, you know, uh, deluged uh, 
the whole top half of the country, but it also destroyed the lower half of the country all the way down into through Mexico into South America. So um, uh, just be grateful that we're living in a in a very temperate and mild climate, of which it is the best temperature that it has been for the last uh, 9,600 years. So um, that's just starting things off. We have to do a Younger Dryas, uh, actual Younger Dryas episode so that we can go through the particulars of um, this and the effects of destroying, uh, you know, many of the much the high culture in the Indonesian archipelago and in the Philippines um, all the way up into the time of 11,600 years ago when um, uh, Egypt or Kemet was deluged by rainfall. And the monuments, I know that people say that the pyramid complex is only uh, goes back to 2,500 B.C., but that's not the truth. And it's, uh, say it's dedicated to Khufu, uh, but that's not the case. It was re- um, you know, put together. In other words, they were doing maintenance on it, 25,000 B.C., and they dated to that because you can't date stone, but they date 25,000 B.C. through um, carbon, through um, people's bones and all those different types of things, and they misdated through looking at things that were there 2,500 and 2,500 B.C. or B.C.E., uh, which don't deal with the true age of the pyramids. And, of course, we know that the great Sphinx, Rahamakas, which was, uh, well, at least the head of it was recarved, you know, to show a different face, and that the side of the Sphinx has weather destruction on it. In other words, it's, it has rain wearing. In other words, it was worn away by thousands of years of rain. And the last time that the uh, part of the Sahara that Egypt is in had that type of rainfall was in 10,000 10, B.C. And that happened because of the second impact of the Younger Dryas, the one that destroyed Atlantis, which threw up so much ice it was an overwater over burst you know, it exploded in the atmosphere over water, and it threw up so much steam that it created then a heating up of the planet, got warm, and started to having torrential rains. So we know that the Sphinx or Rahamakis goes back at least to 10,000 B.C., and it's much older than 10,000 B.C. Um, uh, Hawass, when he was the head of the Egyptian antiquities, said that, uh, there was no monuments that go back into 10,000 B.C. So that, uh, you know, what the what the researchers were saying was incorrect. But then we find Gobekli Tepe, which is in Turkey, and Gobekli Tepe is definitely dated back to around 10,000 B.C. or 9,600 B.C.E which is the time of the Younger Dryas. So we have monuments that go back past 10,000 years because they said that hunter-gatherers couldn't have done this 
9,600 B.C. because they didn't have the labor force. They didn't have the speciality. They didn't have the uh, ability to, you know, uh, be able to pay specialists, architects, and all these different types of people. So uh, what we're doing and dealing with now is new research, new information that hasn't been around. When people talk about the Americas and they talk about, um, you know, the uh, Asian people coming through the Bering Straits and things like that, then what stopped them from coming through the Bering Straits, what let them through, um, they have to understand that uh, the North American continent, you know, down through Mexico and South America, had some of the most diverse megafauna on Earth. Uh, megafauna is a mammal, any mammal that's over 100 pounds. They had the dire wolf, which is, if you look at Game of Thrones, those big wolves that they have on the Game of Thrones, those are about about the size of of uh, what the dire wolf was. They had giant wow. horses, giant camels. They had the giant ground sloth. They had beavers that were almost the size of elephants. They had the saber-toothed tiger. They had the most vicious animal on the north that that was on the North American continent, which was the short-faced bear. It was a bear that was whose legs were longer longer than the regular bears. It could run faster. It was twice the size of a, a Kodiak bear or, or a Kodiak bear, and it was the most fierce animal on the doggone North American continent. You know, um, you had. Uh, mammoths, you had mastodons, you had the woolly rhinoceros, all of these different animals roaming that were killed out in one afternoon 9,600 years ago. So we have to go through that to just let people know that when they start talking about who populated the Americas and how far it goes back and who's who and if somebody else was here, how did they get there and all those different types of things, we'll have to talk about that because this is all new research, less than 10 years old. So most archaeologists and geologists Mm. don't even know about a lot of this going on. And when we're talking about the world and we're talking about origins, we're talking about high cultures, super civilizations, the passing on of knowledge and information, uh, from the older times, which were prior to the Younger Dryas, into the newer times, which is after the Younger Dryas, and how these things were. The different uh, remnant people who survived the uh, cataclysmic impacts that happened uh, 12,800 years ago and 9,600 years ago, uh, those who they talk about in the Edfu building text in Egypt, uh, about the primeval mounds and the flood and all those different type of things because even though the Temple of Edfu is a Ptolemaic temple, in other words, it was it only was built around 3,000, uh, uh, oh, excuse me, about 300 uh, BCE. Um, it's built on older temples that are built on older temples that are built on older temples. And the records that they had that were on papyri and animal skins that were falling apart because of their antiquity, they took those and they built it into the newer temple on the walls, and that's why they call it the Edfu building text because the stories that were in those papyri and animal skins was carved directly in stone into the wall so that they would be preserved and we would never forget 
even though we've forgotten because even though we, you know, we go to, you know, these places, we don't look at the right things. And we need those people who are experts in metonetric translation that are ours to start going to uh, these different places and translating directly from uh, directly from the walls instead of interpretation from other people's books. And we need those people who are studying metonetric to now step up into the greater realms of metonetric where metonetric becomes uh, alivened because the key to the next level of the deciphering of the metonetric is through the hallucinogens where at certain doses, the metal nature becomes animate. Uh, at higher doses, the metal nature, the characters or carvings or papyri or papyrus comes alive into your environment. In other words, if you are studying a papyri under 15 grams of phosphate uh, cubensis, the papyri, the characters in the papyri will come off the papyri and come into your room or into wherever you're studying, and you can have a face-to-face, mouth-to-ear relationship with those characters inside of the metonetric. And at a higher dose, 20, 25, 30 grams of psilocybe cubensis mushrooms or any of the psilocybe mushrooms, it could be azurensis, it could be um, any one of the different uh, types, walleye or whatever, it will then it will take you into the papyri and you can explore the world of inside of the metonetra and take it to the next level. That's what we need our people studying metonetra to be able to do, but they have to have the courage to be able to take the dose. They have to train by increasing their dose over time, and then we can start doing what the ancients did prior to the younger Dryas and then after the younger Dryas to restart ancient Kemet, and that is the ingestion of the mushroom being able to go into the world of the Neturu and be able to bring back technologies and architecture and weapons and styles of martial, martial arts warfare, being able to go in and bring back philosophy, being able to go into uh, these realms and bring those stuff back like they did, because it's not about recreating what the ancient Kemetic or Egyptian people did is about going and doing the same things that they did so that we can take it to now to the next level of of what we wanna what we wanna experience and deal with in relationship to what we're doing now, moving into artificial intelligence, moving into quantum realms, moving into uh uh the solar system and things like that, to be able to bring back this knowledge and information. We need people studying Mars under uh, the influence of the uh, under the influence of the mushrooms. We need people studying Sirius and Orion and the Pleiades and all these different things under the auspices of the mushrooms as true experiential sciences. It doesn't take away the other sciences. It doesn't take away anything from anything else, but it adds that dimension of experiences that can't be experienced in the three-dimensional five-sense reality of which we are embedded in until we take the dose to be able to escape 
that reality into a greater hyperdimensional, extra-dimensional. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, All of the different man. areas of the next le- next level of what we're moving into. And, you know, people, you know, I, I talk about these things all over the world, you know, and I, I move to share them with our people. But, you know, uh, next month is Black History Month. They want to hear, oh, we were the greatest people in the world. We built the pyramids and, you know, we did this and we did that. When the reality is, what is we doing now? And the folks who built the pyramids were taking these mushrooms. So to do what we need to do for now, while we have the ability and the chance to be able to do it, everybody can do it. It ain't got to, so you ain't got to be special. You ain't got to be goddess so-and-so and such-and-such or god such-and-such and so-and-so. Most of the people call themselves gods and goddesses. ain't nothing but farmers and merchants, you know. You know, if, if everybody if everybody is a god, then a god is not special. If everybody is a king, we came from kings and queens. Yeah, okay, we came from kings and queens. What about the farmers? What about the dung collectors, the people that went around and picked up the shit off the doggone sidewalk when folks put it in a pot? What about them? They existed too, and a lot of people are just uh, you know, and that's an honorable, um, a honorable vocation, you know. People we look, you know, look uh, the story about the people who look down on the dung collectors, you know, like you just you go around and collect dung. You, you ain't the shit you collected. I'm a, you know, I'm a, a prince of so and so and so and so, and the dung collectors stopped collecting dung for two weeks. And they made a whole new uh, mystery about the dog collectors. They got gold, and they walked down the street carrying the sh- carrying the cans of shit with gold armor on and stuff like that. People bowed to them as they came because if they don't pick up that damn dung, it's going to be a shitty society. So, what about all them people? Everybody was not a king, and everybody was not a queen. We had farmers and merchants, and we had warriors, and we had all these different classes. And uh, Arjuna and his brothers, the rest of the Pandavas, Yudhishthira being Arjuna and the twins, Nakula and um, uh, his twin, I can't think of his name right in a second, but um, Sahadev and Nakula, those were the five Pandavas who were the sons of Pandu, who was the king. But Pandu hunting, killed a deer who really wasn't a deer. And he said, you know, he was a, um, you know, a highly spiritual being in the guise of a deer. And he was copulating. And he cursed Pandu by saying, Pandu, you, you know, you shot me while I was in the midst of getting busy. I was, you know, trying to get me some. You know, and Pandu said, I'm a hunter. He said, yeah, you're a hunter, but you was disrespectful because you shot me in the middle of copulating. You know, it been different if I was running through the forest or something like that, and you shot me, but, you know, you shot me while I was trying to get some. So what I'm going to do is curse you, and the, at the time that you copulate with one of your wives, because uh, he had uh, two wives, he said, when you copulate with your wife, at that moment you're going to die and you're never going to have no children. So um, Pandu, who was king, got dejected. He went out into the forest, and his two wives followed him out there. And 
you know, he just kind of got, you know, depressed and all that kind of stuff, made love to his wife and died. Then uh, his wife then got a mantra to be able to have children, and they had children, and she had children from who were the five Pandavas, three of the Pandavas, and then the second wife had the twins at the end by using a powerful mantra that they spoke to have children who were demigods who were part divine and part human. Um, Pandu's brother became the uh, became the king, although he was blind. The Pandavas came to live with their cousins who were the Kuravas. There were a hundred of them. They were always fighting and arguing and uh, they didn't like each other. So the king brought in a trainer for them, Drona, who was who knew all of the different arts of the martial arts. He knew everything. You know, he knew the mantras. He knew how to um, defend from curses. He knew to do all these different things. So he taught the Pandavas and the Kuravas. And Arjuna turned out to be the greatest of the warriors. He was unmatched. Although his older brother, whom his mother was pregnant with, uh, who they put in a butcher bag in a butcher basket and sent out on the river, it's the same story as Moses. And a chariot driver picked up the baby out of the out of the water and raised him. But he still had the divine power of the sun because he was birthed from the sun. So he was a great a great warrior also, and he could perform almost everything that Arjuna could. But eventually they had a, uh, when they all grew up, eventually they had a war on the field of Kurukshetra. They were Kshatriya. In other words, they were of the warrior class. They weren't of the priest class. They weren't of the, uh, uh, you know, what they called the untouchables and things like that. Um, They were of the warrior class. So they had a great battle between the Pandavas and the Kuravas and the heroes of the earth. And they asked the Kuravas, Krishna, who was the divine personality of godhood, asked, asked the Krishnas and the Pandavas, uh, Krishna said, you can have 10,000 of the greatest warriors on earth on your side, or you can have me, but I won't fight. I'll only drive a chariot. The Kuravas picked the 10,000 warriors, and the Pandavas picked Krishna. Krishna drove the chariot of Arjuna. And uh, under the standard of Hanuman, who was the monkey king from an earlier age of the Ramayana, this was of the uh, Mahabharata. And inside of the Mahabharata, when they were on the field of battle, Arjuna became dejected. He didn't want to fight because um, his, his teacher, Drona, was on the other side. His grandfather, Bhishma, was on the other side. All of his cousins were on the other side. People he knew, people some he may not have liked, but he didn't want to kill him, destroy him. So he said, what should I do, Krishna? He got down out of the chariot, sat down on the ground, threw his trans-dimensional bow, the Govinda bow, with the inexhaustible quiver of arrows that um, were... Uh, true trans-dimensional weapons because they brought all the different types of weapons from the multiverse 
and the infraparticle realms. And what he did was um, dropped his bow, dropped his arrows, and said, I can't do this. I can't fight. And Krishna said, why are you worried about this? And then inside of the Mahabharata, there's a section that is revealed called the Bhagavad Gita, which is a section inside of the Mahabharata where Krishna lays down the laws of the soul and the laws of what human beings are and how they come uh, come into existence. It's a you know it's it's a phenomenal work. It is the longest epic poem on earth, the Mahabharata. And what happened was. Krishna revealed to Arjuna because Arjuna was worried about killing somebody. And Krishna told him that if you have a soul, you are immortal. You cannot be killed. There's no way that a soul can be killed. What you see is Maya illusion, the illusion of the body. Now, there's some folks over there on that side who have no souls, who are just part of the matrix he said what you are and what all of the sold people playing the game and illusion of being human beings and having a physical body he said what you are is so small but so powerful so significant it's so small it's so large he said no fire can burn you and we find now from quantum mechanics talking about below the Planck length in the infraparticle realms of where the supercomputers, the super servers generate the macro universe. In other words, when a particle, it's not even a particle, a particle it can't be called a particle because particles are up higher than below the Planck length. That wave that is below the Planck length that is smaller than atoms, smaller than electrons, smaller than protons, smaller than muons and gluons and all these different subatomic particles. They're smaller than that. They, on a, on a part of that, sits the reality of what we exist looking out into the universe, all the planets and all the different um, universes and solar systems and galaxies, all are generated from those very, very small particles. So he said, what you are, no fire can burn you because you're smaller than the particles that create fire through fiction. In other words, atoms bouncing together create heat. But you're smaller than that. So there's no heat where we're talking about. He said, no no." rain or no water can drown you because the water molecules are way up there. They're, they're too big to be able to drown you because you're way down here below the plank length. So no air can make you dry. No earth can cover you because what you are is preeminent in the reality of all that exists. And he went to tell him about this. He said, you can't kill them people. He said, Number one, I've already killed all those people. So Arjuna said, I, I don't understand. Let, tell me. And then he pulled out the Soma, which is the transdimensional drink talked about in the Vedas. The Vedas are one of the seminal works 
Indian continent and those sages and knowledgeable people who put those who who re engineered this work over time talks about soma, the divine drink. It's a hallucinogenic drink that is composed over time a hundred and seven different compounds of which seven are mushrooms. The oldest are the mushroom compounds of soma. The others are plants over time. But the oldest soma is a mushroom drink. And so he gave Krishna the oldest mushroom drink, which was a mushroom brew, and he revealed to him his greater self, the supreme personality of Godhood. He showed him what he looked like in his reality, in one of his realities, where he had thousands of faces and millions of arms, and he had fierce faces, beautiful faces. He had on um, divine jewelry where garlands of flowers were larger than planets and weapons that could be used. He had swords and maces and all the different transdimensional weapons throughout the universe. And Krishna said, I reveal to you myself. And Arjuna looked at it for a while and he said, then he said, let it, no, I can't deal with this. It's too much. It's kind of like in Indiana Jones in the tip, uh, in the, the Temple of the Crystal Skull or whatever it was called. Whereas when they got to the end and they put the crystal skull in the alien's head and it became one from the nine, the lady who was the evil lady in the story said, I want to know everything. I want to know it all. Show me. I'm ready. Reveal it to me. And then the alien turned to her and kind of looked, and kind of looked on his face was like, oh, you want to know everything? You want to see it all? Okay, let you ask for it. Let me show it to you. And so after about nine or ten seconds, she was like, oh, no, it's too much. Take it away. Please, stop it. I can't stand it, you know, because that's what happens when you say you want to, you want to see the real thing and you want to see it all, you know. And I know because I, <laughs> I've done that a couple of times. I say, okay, hold it, you know. I'll take some of this a little bit later. <laughs> so what what was revealed from Krishna to Arjuna was the truth of our reality as much as he could stand at that particular time. So Arjuna, you know, uh, understood. He got back in the chariot. They fought. The Pandavas won. And, you know, uh, they all went to heaven together happy. So this is what we're talking about. This is what we're doing and uh, just letting the people know some of the things that are um, what they think of as stories, which are universal truths that we lead the people to to be able to understand more and more of the realities in which we exist. Mm. So the spiritual warrior, the spiritual warrior is not just a one-dimensional, oh, I'm a spiritual warrior, which means that, you know, I fight in the spirit. But if somebody, you know, offends me or jumps on my mama or whatever, you know, I'm not a physical warrior. You can't separate the spiritual warrior from the physical warrior, from the mental warrior, from the trans-dimensional warrior, 
you can't separate those things. The warrior is the warrior. So that's why, you know, when you when you say what you are, you know, you, you need to understand the ramifications of that. You know, because many people can be fighters, many people can be soldiers, but there are few that are warriors in the traditional and ancient sense because that is part of our continuous sojourn, a continuous legacy of uh, what we are at the core of our soul. And that goes into, of course, what we talked about uh, last week, I believe, you know, uh, the house. The house has warriors inside of the house, and they're charged with protecting and defending the house, you know, be it from whoever. How are you going to have a, a guy who goes to um, the Korean War, the Vietnam War, and he's a crack soldier, and he fights and kills you know, Vietnamese, he kills Koreans, he kills Germans, he kills whoever the United States tells him to to fight. But then when he gets back here, you know, um, you know, he, he's scared to do anything, you know, because the soldiers, uh, you have some warriors who are in the soldier, soldiery, soldiery game because many times these people are, their courage is generated by, those who are around them. In other words, yeah, you can be brave if you have billions of dollars of equipment, if you have unlimited resources, if you have friends who are going to back you up, pick up thin, not leave you, and things like that. So you have courage because, hey, the guys are going to help me, the guys are going to protect me. Yes, maybe I will get killed, but, you know, I have all this backup. I have all these people with me. The warrior is the one who can stand alone. You know, I talked to a guy who was a soldier. He said, oh, yeah, I've been all over the world. I've been to Germany, and I was stationed in Japan, and I was so and so and such and such and all that kind of stuff, and all that's well and good and fine. But you never went to Germany. You never went to Japan. You only rolled with the... United States, because you always had a barracks there. You always had uh, a uh, you know place to sleep and stay there. You didn't go to Japan on your own nickel and wander around in doggone you know Tokyo by yourself. You know you had the uniform on. People had to respect that because the United States, all these different type of things. So the warrior is the one who could stand alone when there's nobody else to be there. The warrior is the one who can face the darkness. The warrior is the one who can uh, be able to, no matter what the odds, step forward when they have to. A sovereign is one who has no greater authority. If you offend the sovereign spirit, the sovereign spirit will rise up. And although you may kill the physical body of the of the sovereign spirit. You cannot kill the sovereign spirit. So, you know, those are some of the things that we're talking about this evening. That's the short introduction. <laughs> short end. Um, 
the reason I even had came up with this subject is because a lot of people it's it's like um what is it what in 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 Tantra they talked about and they or they called it the what phase is this um he son like this great awakening the um uh, I can't think uh, of the Satya Yug or something like that the golden yeah, age yeah like yeah like this, this Sanyata used to you use this word about talking about. No, like in in tantra, when tantra would be like would reawaken. You know what I'm saying? And there's just a reawakening in all these different areas. Like the the bullcrap is falling to the side. You see um, press and news about churches loot, uh, having to shut down because. People just aren't going to church no more. They don't believe in it no more. Like, like the fog is wearing off. Like they waking up from the sleepy juice, and they like coming and saying, "Where's the spirituality at?" I, like, they even have questions when they're saying, "Are you more spiritual? Uh, what is your religion?" And then when you get down to the bottom, it says, "More spiritual than religious." But in the 1950s, they would not dare to even give you more than three choices. You know, now you got 10, 20 choices on an application of saying, you know, where are you or, or where's your spirituality? And especially with the birth of these millennials, these um, children born, like, wanting to know, like, it's not enough for them to be like, what you want me to believe? Like, I'm done with the belief era of Pisces. Now I'm an Aquarian where I must... I must know. Give me the information. Um, Dan is moving back to Capricorn after the Aquarian age, but that's going to be a couple more thousand years. But they want to know what the facts are. And uh, a brother, a friend of mine, he um, is up in Ohio now, and he was like, man, there's no book on how you get started on the conscious path. And I was like, well, you got to write that book for what you need to know. And he was like, man, it's so confusing out here because it's so many, um, what you call them, farmers and merchants. They're really not on the path. They're just trying to sell you something, you know. And so you're being over here at my over here at my stand, over here at my stand. Come over here and buy my wares. Come over here and buy my wares. And it looks like it's gold, but it's actually only pyrite. Like people buying pyrite thinking it's gold. And... I wanted to do this show because one of the things that I am 1,000% in agreement with you is forget the experimentation or all the rhetoric. Like, when do we do the actual work? That's when we start, um, stop talking about you took uh, two grams and you was microdosing and you went to the party and you took a hallucinogen trip. No, you didn't. You still, you still not even. You still like walking by the beach. You haven't even put your feet in the water yet. And the only way you're going to get that is to actually step onto the path, you know. And I don't know whether I don't know whether you put in a video. Or I heard it somewhere. It was like these people saying they are practicing these ancient traditional uh, rites of passage or spirituality, but they don't have any of the sacred plants in it or the sacred medicines in it. Like, how could that be? But So I wanted to do this show to say, look, man, here's somebody who's done it. You know, not just, you know, you 20, 30, 40 grams and, 
and still going back. You still setting goals and say, hey, yeah, I've been doing this since 1974, but guess what? I still need to take a 50-gram dosage, and I ain't looking forward to it, but I still got to keep pushing the envelope. So this, the reason that particular story to me was so powerful about um, Arjuna and Krishna was a lot of people have read the Bhagavad Gita or heard of it, but you mean to tell me he broke him off with 15 grams, 21 grams, and was like, man, open up into your transdimensional, open up your transdimensional eye and see what's really going on, that you really got all these hang-ups in your life. And we're really stagnated from being spiritual warriors. Like, we got spiritual warrior in us, but we're not taking the steps to bring that out. Like, we asking the questions and things like that. So that was why I wanted you to come on tonight and get into those particular steps. I really feel that we've been talking about that since, since, like the first episode where you was like, look, man, inch your way up. There's no competition, but we got to get there. And then tonight, as you said, we need people studying the planet Mars. We need people studying the Metuneta. We need people studying X, Y, Z. That's a part of the responsibilities of the spiritual warrior. And that is okay to be the spiritual warrior because now they use shame to try to keep us from opening up sexually, opening up mentally, opening up spiritually, opening up emotionally from us, like, seeing who we are in our own transdimensional form. So could you build on that a little bit, Baba, about that particular, you know, some of those basic requirements um, of and some of the steps that you see that we need to take on this journey of developing the 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 spiritual warriors. Like you said from show number one, we need more Dr. Strangers. So people was like, oh, he just had a cloak. Yeah, but Dr. Strange, he he was about to smoke. He wouldn't run from you. He wasn't scared of nobody. He'll fight you. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it, it was all martial. So can you, like, elaborate on that a little bit as far as those things that we need to start pulling out? And, like, you gave us a part of the history of how, the magic mushroom and the DMT has played a part in that in opening up who we are and removing that fear aspect. Well, well, uh, as far as Doctor Strange and his cloak, that was the cloak was one of the uh, relics of their particular system of guild, just like they had the traps and different things that were in the. Uh, place where Doctor Strange was in control of in New York, his his house. Um, we have the transdimensional weapons. The weapons are here on Earth in this time, uh, and are ready to be used at the proper time. People hold these relics and weapons all over the world, um, and uh, some of them I've seen. <laughs> Some of them I have. Now, you know, you don't have to believe me or take my word for it or whatever. doesn't matter. doesn't stop the reality of it. Um, <laughs> many, things I can, many, th- yeah, many, many things I can <laughs> Those are all locked up in Beni Hassan in Egypt and the other 12 temples that they won't let you in. They just show you the... Um, you know, even though they show you uh, assaulting castles and they show you the the you know the grappling aspect, 
kicking and punching and all that kind of stuff. Uh, some weapons, all that. They won't let you into the temples where the slick stuff is because only uh, those people who are studying those things can get in. Studying how to turn them on. You got a light. They got a light. You got a lightsaber. They, they don't know how to charge them up and put the battery in. <laughs> so we can get these fools this. But um, the thing is, is that all of that technology is accessible. Um, you know, through the entheogenic realms, it's proper doses with the discipline to push on to get to those places. Um, Arjuna went to the planet of war, the planet of weapons, where the weapons are, uh, those weapons are kept. And those that are the custodians of those weapons have to look into your spirit and into your soul because they're not going to give you what is not already yours. They're not going to give you what is not part of your family line. In other words, you can't get something that belongs to somebody else. You may want it. You know, no different than no different than uh, karate and judo and jujitsu and ninjutsu and all those different type of things. You have people who are um, black people who should be busting Nigeria down, trying to get the arts and weapons there, but they want to be Japanese and Chinese and Korean and things like that. And the Japanese, Korean, Chinese martial arts are good and wonderful for them. I said this. 48 years ago I said why are you trying you, you walk around looking like a samurai Yeah they had the once black samurai And all that kind of stuff <laughs> But that, he, didn't, he didn't invent it They went into Novel states of consciousness And gleaned those things from Their ancestry Because all of those arts And sciences and all that stuff is available In the hyperdimensional realms They have classes there they have classes of the people who are no longer here, the ancestors of karate and judo and Buddhism and yoga and all that kind of stuff, sitting up in these mandalas and sitting up on mountains that teach these things. But our folks don't, number one, believe. They don't have the discipline. They don't have enough faith to take the step to be able to be Part of something greater Higher level martial arts Are conveyed to the practitioner Through the entheogenic realm Because that's where they have access To those realms Where these things were created When they say that the beginning um, Person of the style Had a dream And this is where it came to him He didn't have no doggone dream He ate some mushrooms or some herb, some herb or something like that that was secret. Now, I'm, saying, I'm not saying that black people can't um, into Japanese or Korean or whatever martial arts because they can. But what I'm saying is, is that those things are encoded to certain family spirits. And when those family spirits are now ready to convey the high level of those things, they're not going to do it because that's why everybody is stuck where they're stuck. You know, you ain't you don't you ain't seen nobody doing no Darth Vader stuff. You know, <laughs> where you sitting at the table and he closes fist and that closes your esophagus and you start choking. You ain't mm. seen nobody doing that kind of stuff. <laughs> mm. You know, 
what you see, what you're going to see is this, the same old basic thing that people have been doing for years. You know, I know why my skills are, uh, uh, my skills accelerated through understanding this, you know, you, you know, you say what you want. It's documented, you know. You know, I've taken guns and knives. And I'm not just saying this to brag, you know, and you can go to the records of the Detroit Police Department. When the police jumped on me and I took the guns and flashlights and all that kind of stuff and they went to the hospital and dismantled the group and the one that said that he would hit me with a flashlight because I was too smart, I told him to swing the flashlight. That's the last flashlight you will swing as a Detroit police officer. He swung the flashlight. He's still off on the walker with his special bed, you know, getting money from the Detroit Police uh, police Department. I say hi to him every once in a while, Officer Fenter, Officer Sar- Sergeant, Sergeant Fenter. I don't know if he's retired now. He probably is retired, but he was retired that day. He swung the flashlight. And I told him not to. You know, and yes, they tried to shoot me, and yes, they tried to, sh- and yes, they tried to shoot me, you know, and all of that, but none of that worked. Hyperdimensional training, huh? Yeah, and I and and when I go places, I go myself. I don't go with no big groups, you know. I'm up, I'm up in the mountains of Hungary, and they say, "Come on, let's go to this cave." You know, we got some things we want to sh- we want to share with you because we see that you we see that you you know you got the old uh, the old knowledge and information. I say sure. You know, I don't know these folks from Adam. That's vampire country. That's up there with the Draculs and all that kind of stuff. Well, folks are turning into werewolves, and I know that you you know folks will say, well, ain't no such thing as a werewolf. Ain't no such thing as a vampire. Yeah, you say that sitting in St. Louis, Missouri. In the whole, in the Marriott, but get out there! But get out there in the dark, in the mountains of Hungary, on the doggone cart, riding up the doggone path, and going to a cave, and you looking at dark red eyes. Then tell me it ain't no vampires. Then tell me it ain't no uh, uh, werewolves and all that kind of stuff. That's just fantasy. It's fantasy because you don't do nothing but sit on the internet and pontificate about what's real and what's not, and what you read in some books. Mm. So the path of the spiritual warrior Takes you off from behind your keyboard Is that what I'm assuming that you're putting down If I'm picking up what you're putting down Is that what you're saying There's not a lot of pontification well, going on In the, in the path you can't, you, 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 you can't do it from the keyboard You got to get out into uh, You, you got to get out into the multiverse And that may just be in your room with the keyboard and the computer turned off. Mm. Those, are, those are courageous people because you're going into the darkness, you're going into the mystery, and you're going into the mystery alone and in the dark. Doesn't mean you can't, uh, on occasion, do it with groups and with people and all those different types of things. But the real work is where you're alone with yourself because you can... You can fake the funk with everybody. You can be as tough as you want to be. You can tell people this. You can tell people that. But when you take that dose and you're there alone and you're in the dark, you can't fool yourself. 
you know, these people on, um, you know, Facebook to tell me all the time, oh, you you really didn't take no 30 grand because you, you can't take 30 grand. I'm like, why not? Why not? You can take and 30 grams. You, you can take 40 grams. You can take 100 grams. You can eat a pound of mushrooms if you want to, and you can keep it down. But you got to face what's going to come from the experience, the warrior experience. Because folks that are taking these doses, and it ain't just me. These folks who are taking these doses and are going into the multidimensional realms, you know, are the courageous folks. And they're housewives, they're elders, they're teenagers, you know, they're people who are... Uh, uh, work for the the postal service and those type of things. These ain't, you know, somebody out bragging about what they do and, you know, I'm an MMA and I'm a kickboxer and all that kind of stuff, you know, whom uh, most, if you give this to them, they, you know, they don't want to be, call, be calling in the middle of the night, you know. <laughs> have left me. Have left me. They called me ten times and left a hundred messages. Please, please call. Please help me. You know, I'm like, you got to do the, You got to do this work yourself. I'm not gonna be up all night with you crying on the phone. You know, world champion MMA fighter. Tattoos all over well, your don't... back and all over your neck. The, with lines and stuff like that. I say, call that lion on your neck that works for you. <laughs> My goodness. That's what the that's what the tattoo that's what the that's what the tattoos are for. That's what the tattoos are for. That stuff becomes actualized. That tiger on your neck is supposed to jump off your neck and start eating folks up if they messing with you in the hyperdimensional realms. Other than that, what you got mm. the tiger on there for you? To impress mm. to impress your girlfriend to impress your girlfriend? You got a snake oh. on there. Wind it up doing doing Jackie Chan's uh, snake style. Wind it, wind it, coming off your doggone arm and fighting oh. these monsters that's chasing you through the night. Mm. Now that doesn't mean that they're not beautiful places. That they are calm and wonderful places out there. But when you say you're a warrior. That's what you're going to be plunged into because they're going to test you. It's like when I first went to Africa and, you know, you say, what do you do? I'm a, you know, a martial artist. Well, what's a martial artist? A warrior, a fighter. Oh, you a warrior, a fighter? What y'all do? We stick fight. Okay, well, we got sticks. We got, we got a bunch of sticks. Let's see. They didn't say, oh, that's great. We're going to look you up on YouTube and see if you was you a fighter. They said, let's get this stick and let's <laughs> You know, uh, let's get over here. You a fighter? Okay, we got some guys over there that's wrestling. And when they're in Africa, they call they they say wrestling. That's that's just a catch-all for a lot of different things. That kicking wrist knife fighting, fighting with kicks with blades on your ankles and uh, the powders and poisons and all that kind of stuff. You got to be ready for all this kind of stuff because people take you at your word what you say. It's only the people. It's, it's only people who who uh, uh, came and lied because the world didn't know a liar until the colonizers came and started lying to people. 
People didn't know what a liar was. They knew what your word was, and your word means something. That's what they told them, the indigenous folks who were here, you know. Okay, this uh, sitting bull and the rest of y'all, y'all beat us bad here down at the fort. Y'all beat the blue coats. So what we want y'all to do is, since y'all won, we're going to sign a treaty with you. But come on down to the fort. Y'all don't bring no weapons. We ain't going to have no weapons. Y'all come down to the fort. We're going to sign a treaty. And we ain't going to never mess with y'all again. And we ain't going up into the Black Hills. We're going to leave that alone. So we're going to stay down here in this valley. Y'all go up in the Black Hills, y'all sacred land of ancestors. You know, y'all can do what y'all want. We're going to leave y'all alone. We won't mess with y'all because y'all beat the hell out of us. Now, come on down to the fort. Don't bring no... No pistols and no knives and no nothing. So they marched down there to the fort, walk in the fort, they close the door, and of course they bring out the guns and arrest everybody, kill some folks. They escape because they're great warriors, go up into the hills, the Black Hills, come down again, fight the fort people again, fight the cavalry again, beat the hell out of them again. And they say, okay. Y'all licked us. We know that y'all are great warriors. We just can't beat you. So this time we're going to really sign the treaty. Y'all come down. Don't bring no weapons now because we're really going to sign the treaty this time. And the folks, of course, leave their weapons, march down to the fort again, and, of course, the same thing happened because nobody was ready for a liar. Nobody cared nothing about no piece of paper. But they said, okay, well, this is the way we're going to do it. They're giving their word. We're going to go down to the fort not have no weapons. And, of course, they bring out the guns again, arrest people, shoot a bunch of people up. They escape, and they fight them again. And it would happen over and over, not just here. It happened all over the world. Nobody was ready for a liar because people took people at their word. So what did they do? How did they beat, you know, uh, the the Apache and the Cherokees and the Lakota and all those different folks because they couldn't beat them because they were doing guerrilla warfare. They had just gotten out of the British, the whole British thing, you know, standing in line, everybody, all 12 of us ride on a horse in the line, you know. You get to the back of them like Turkish shooting and shoot one from the back. They don't even know what's happening at the front. So they beat the hell out of them. What did they do? They call in the Buffalo Soldiers because that's who caught Sitting Bull and all the rest of them. We were tricked into, I'm not saying we in the sense of me, I'm saying we black folks were tricked into messing with people we didn't have no business messing with. And when the apologies started rolling out in America, the Buffalo Soldiers had to start apologizing to them people for going out there messing with them people when the uh, the government and the white folks were messing with messing with them. Why did they know the Buffalo Soldiers should catch them? Because the Buffalo Soldiers were the ones in the Spanish-American War in Cuba that beat Teddy Roosevelt and his cohorts who were, you know, just uh, guys from... Boston and Harvard and Yale and all all that stuff who wanted to go on an adventure with Teddy Roosevelt and so they're going to jump in the Spanish-American War. And you hear about the San Juan Hill where Teddy Roosevelt and them went up the hill 
and won the Spanish-American War and all that kind of stuff, which was a lie because the black troops were already up there. They had come out of the Civil War terrorizing folks in the South. And then after that war was over, after the Spanish-American War was over, what did they do with them? They didn't know what to do with them because you had a bunch of black folks riding around who wasn't scared to kill white folks who were fierce fighters. What did they do? They sent them to the Philippines. With General Blackjack Pershing, who was the highest general in the United States under George Washington. George Washington was the highest, still is the highest general that the United States pursued. Uh, produced, and there was General Blackjack Pershing. Blackjack Pershing, they called him Blackjack because he was the black, with the black troops. He led the black troops. So they left the Philippines, came back to the United States. Again, you got a bunch of black guys riding around uh, that wasn't scared of white folks. You know, you want to get in a shootout? Okay, let's do this. No different than these young boys running around uh, in confusion, shooting each other and shooting people. Except they weren't just riding around shooting people. They were soldiers. But they said, okay, we're going to have to do something about these guys who got their own pistols and rifles and don't mind, you know, uh, killing white folks. we got to send them out, keep them together, send them out to out west to chase Cochise and all the rest of them. Because all that cowboy stuff, all that stuff, you know, the you know, that's all of that's all the black folks, you know, Nat Love and Pistol Pack and Bessie and all the rest of them. That's all black people started all that West stuff, bulldogging. Well you grab a dog on bull by the horns and throw it down. Rope it. You know. <laughs> US Mar- US pollution. Marshals. Dead eye dick and all that kind of stuff. There was all black people that was doing that kind of stuff. Talking about Warriors, ingrained warriors that don't know how to do nothing else, you know. So I don't know how I got into the Spanish-American War and all the way into Dead Eye Dick and, you know, uh, all that, <laughs> Matt Love and Pistol Pack and Bessie and all that kind of stuff. But that's all part of the, the history. It's all part of the mystery because if you got a warrior, the, they their style is already built in. They do it the way they do it. Um, I want to understand who you are from your higher self. Okay, go ahead. Excuse me. Um, understand who you are and take that from your higher self. Right? We've been saying my best self. You know, my higher self is my best self. That's the best I can offer is getting in touch with my higher self. But for those um, you know, it's 2000. I say it's 2020. I don't. We already passed 2019. But for those who are needing like more courage in their business and need to have a warrior aspect in their business, like not to give up. Uh, we know that in Silicon Valley, they don't. They don't even make it no secret that they have an entire culture over there that. They are using the hallucinogens to create a dynamic aspect of wealth. Would that be the warrior in us to uh, help expand our business and create 
dynamic wealth as well, or is it is it only localized to weapons? You know, and 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 this is tying into when you said, you know, I guess you could say, I mean, we weren't gullible, but we weren't used to nobody telling us telling telling lies. Every time somebody told us something, we took it at their word that they could actually do it, and then all of a sudden, lying was introduced, and now and now it's jacked up. Where we say, "Oh man, I, I can't trust this person," or "I only believe what you show me." Like, how does how do I take and pull this warrior out in my everyday life so I can create a dynamic wealth too? Because there is an economic play that they're going on to, like, yeah, we want to keep you. Dumb and ignorant, but we also want to keep you in a poverty state. Well, I mean, when we when we're talking about warfare, or we're talking about the strategy of warfare, that's applied to business. I mean, people deal with the book, the art of war, um, in business. Um, you know, there's more than one uh, art of war. Uh, Prince Machiavelli Machiavelli wrote The Art of War Not just the uh, Yellow Emperor's Chinese Art of War Von Klotzwitz um, Treaties on War um, There are many books that deal with strategy And you set up your business In a war strategy um, when, when I said Some people are merchants And some people are gun collectors that doesn't mean that that's negative. Some people, they, that's just what they are. They're merchants. You know, they're needed in society. You know, we need the vegetables and, you know, uh, the different foodstuffs that merchants have, you know, because warriors ain't farmers. We need the farmers to um, produce the food so that it can be taken by the merchants, so that it can be passed on to folks who don't grow food, things like that, you know. But we should understand still how to grow food, even though you're not a farmer. I'm not a farmer. I'm a gardener because you have to know how to, to grow food, you know, especially for times uh, of of lack and times where maybe the farms aren't being productive or those type of things. It's just a good knowledge base to have as far as that's concerned. Now, people who are talking about, you know, uh, basing their whole survival plan on growing food, you know, in times of conflict or if society breaks down, martial law is implemented 100%, stuff like that, you know. You know, you got folks, I think I was watching a brother on uh, YouTube when he was talking about survival and things like that. He said, how many people know how to grow food in, you know, in the cities, you know, if the food, like, number one, you think that they're going to let you have your food, you know, you got a garden, you got people that ain't never missed a meal, and they are uh, uh, gangs of, of feral, you know, uh, <laughs> hell's angels or the the zombies or whatever is walking past your garden, and they go, oh, that's Mr. Mr. Uh, Rutherford's garden. We ain't going to take his tomatoes and squash and all those different type of things. They ain't let you grow no doggone garden in the, in the midst of chaos. Because people gonna come out and take the food, you know. They smell some soup coming out the top of your kitchen. You gonna be you, you gonna be dead. You may be put in the pot. So we have to understand that you still have to know these skills. 
but you have to be realistic also. Now, as far as financially, um, that's all, again, warfare, you know. Uh, you you just utilize the strategies of how you defend your your company, how you present your company, how you keep the secrets of your company. It's all based upon warfare, you know. You know, you have to and you have to be cognizant of what the new technologies are. I know that folks think that Bitcoin is dead, but no, they just you, you always slough the suckers off, just like in 1929, all of the big big stock market houses and, you know, Jamie Dimon and all these people's, you know, Bitcoin is is not anything. It's not backed by anything. So, you know, everybody, when it, when the price dropped, got scared and sold their Bitcoin and the price dropped. But you don't know that that's what they always do. When you start selling yours, all those big people, all those people at this house, this this uh, stock house and that stock house, and all the people that you think that was talking about Bitcoin, it ain't backed by nothing. They 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 in the midst of buying frenzy. They're buying it all <laughs> because Bitcoin is limited in number, and the mathematics prove out Bitcoin is is based upon math. Bitcoin is more valuable than gold. The blockchain is how things will work. Litecoin with contracts is how the future is going to be produced here. Bitcoins are not as high as they were, but it came from two two thousandths of a cent to three thousand. $400 $400 a coin, it went up to 17000 per coin from something that was, that you had to, you had to put together 2000 of them to make a penny. It went up to 17000 fiat dollars. Bitcoin is more powerful than gold because it's based upon the math. And the math says that within five years, each of those bitcoins that are three thousand dollars now will be worth close to a million dollars, if not a million dollars or more. The math bears it out. It's inevitable as two plus two equals four. So, you know, I'm hooking my wings to what people say ain't worth nothing when in reality it's worth more than gold. Gold was introduced into the society, into the world, into culture because what they call the Anunnaki were eating it, not because they were spraying it in their atmosphere to make their atmosphere thicker. What they called in ancient Sumeria, Babylon, Akkadia, the Anunnaki were eating it, orbitally rearranged monatomic powders of gold, just like you had orbitally rearranged monatomic powders of platinum as you had thinium and rhodium 
and palladium. Powdered and we're eating it because it comes from the stars. It comes from asteroidal compact uh, uh, comet impacts because if we go back to the Younger Dryas, it has a Younger Dryas impact boundary of which exotic metals were deposited from the impacts. They have what are called impact proxies, which are nanodiamonds, magnetic spherules, many buckyballs, all of these different types of exotic metals. Those are the same exotic metals that come out of the interior from the Congo and from um, the mountains of the moon and all down East Africa through the Nile, where the Nile picks up the exotic metals and deposits it during the inundation period in ancient Egypt and Kemet, where the people use that soil to grow their vegetables and eating the exotic metals. This is the same metals that are deposited on the earth. So gold was valuable because they were eating it in its monotonic state. That's what gave them long life. Because what people call the gods, they're not gods. They're just folks out in the universe rolling up on folks with long their long lives. You know, if your life is 70 years and you come up on a person who's got high technology, and they live in 30 and 40 and 50,000 years, then they look to be gods to you. Because my great, 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 great grandfather knew Inky. And now here I am. I'm an old man now, and Inky is still hanging around here. And when I die, I pass on the information uh, that the king is Inky. And my great 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 grandson is now old, and Inky is still here. So they look upon these folks as gods, but they're just technologically advanced humanoids who roll. It's no different than Yahweh, Yehovah, or Jehovah. Let us make man in our likeness and our image. Us means. More than one folk, I mean a bunch of folks. The elves. They like Jabba the Hutt them. They transdimensional gangsters who go around and make primitive cultures in the solar system think they're gods and get worship, mm. get the best, get the best, you know. What does, what does God need with the right foreleg of a bull to be burnt for so that he can smell it? And the, and the meat disappear at night when they close when they close the temple. The meat disappear because you got a bunch of little peasants running around with their herds, and every night they got to put the front foreleg of the best bull that they have on the on the altar. They got to put the first vegetables on the altar. And doggone it, if you got Cain and Abel, and one is a herdsman, and one is a doggone farmer. 
and you bring some vegetables up there they don't like vegetables. God say, I don't want no no, no vegetables, I want some meat. So you are, I don't like you because you you a farmer. And so they get jealous, fight each other, kill. Uh, uh, Cain slew, slew Abel. Then Cain goes off into the land of Nod and find his wife. So they're the only two people. Why do you go off and find your wife? Where? <laughs> Some folks will say it was his sister. Some folks will say his sister. But if it's his sister, then his sister's there. He ain't got to go off to another land to find his sister because his sister's right there. So what is this? It's all talking about older systems, and it's talking about humanoid and humanoid types who have not only uh, genetic differences because you have the um, you got the big head people in Peru. You got the big head people in Peru, the ones with the elongated skulls, of which skull deformation is done in honor to in different all different parts of the world because you had these big head people here. They were different. You had people who were taller, whom some called giants, and you know them because they got six fingers and six toes on each hand and foot. Mm. So the hands got 12, and it's depicted in different works throughout the ages, cave paintings and different um, freezes on a wall. They depict them with six fingers. Why you put a man on there with six fingers and you know everybody got five? They know how to draw because they're drawing all that kind of stuff, you know. So this is the type of stuff that I'm talking about. Knowledge and information um, has to be passed on to the people so that they can understand what world we're in and what other worlds that have influenced this world you know, Mars was destroyed. Mars had a civilization, had an atmosphere, and all those different types of things that were destroyed by one of those same shards that hit 12,800 years ago and 9,600 years ago. Mars was destroyed. It's, it's the, the crust of it was tore off by asteroidal or comet impacts. And that's what destroyed it. That's why so much dust on Mars. It's frozen, but you move that dust. And as soon as people can get there, you're going to see that Mars and the Earth have a connection. Zulu from South Africa means star traveler, and the Zulu records say that the Zulu people come from Mars. They didn't say that they revered Mars or the gods came from Mars. They said they come from Mars. And I'm of the, the school of I believe what the ancestors say. I don't believe what you say because you haven't studied the ancestors, nor have you studied what they were studying. Facts. You know. Uh, I want to open. I, I want to open. I, I believe. Okay, go ahead. Open the line so we can get to the questions. No, 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 no. Look. Go ahead. I mean, go ahead and finish your thought. But I'm about to open the lines up for questions. So if anybody wants to, ha- who has a question, comment or feedback, just press one. I already got my three three six. You on the line? You coming in next? But I want you to finish your thought about the um, about the about the Zulus first and the Star Children. I don't trust y'all because y'all not studying what the ancestors studied. 
Well, it's not just the Zulus. It's the Dogon, of course, who deal with Sirius. The uh, uh, Nigeria Fay, of which you get Ile Ife from, which is a uh, in honor of the Fay, the real Ile Ife, which is in the Sirius star system, from which those folks came. And when they started their society, they say that Ile Ife, Fay is a planet in the Sirius star system. You can't see it because Sirius A is so bright and it's in that solar system, not right on those stars, but it's in the solar in that solar system, Fay. You know. They all say that they came from the stars. But that doesn't mean they come from the stars because the stars come from the infraparticle realms. Mm. The infraparticle realms, they generate the stars. So when people say, you know, we're, uh, you know, uh, we're, we're, we're made of stardust. Yes, physically you're made of stardust. You're made of atoms and protons and neutrons and electrons and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So yes, in that sense, but your soul is not, from stardust What you are Your consciousness Is not from that But you're Part of the Physical matrix Of the universe You're made of All of those Different elements In the physical sense Because everything Physical Is from Is, is, is made from Those Those particular um, Basic You know uh, Basic energies And basic Physical things So, you know, uh, that's basically what I had to say. Yeah. All right. Uh, one quick question. Somebody had somebody had texted me. They are in the military. You know, the military does drug testing, and even though the so the question is, are mushrooms? Will they like? Will they come up on a drug test, or do you know of any military? People who are taking mushrooms now. I know. Don't go all the way into like the the super the super soldier is taking them. I'm probably sure they got all kinds yeah, of. Yeah, we get we get we get cut up we get cut off again. Um, yeah, uh, mushrooms like, don't show up on a regular on regular drug tests. Now I don't know what tests the military do, but they don't show up on regular drug tests. Neither does DMT. Because DMT is part of human metabolism, it's already in your body. Um, you can't you can't get it out because DMT is part of metabolism. It is created by uh, in the body by the lungs, the liver, and also the pineal gland. You know, and folks will, of course, probably chime in and fight and say that we have no scientific um, information that the pineal gland produces DMT. No, it just produces in rats and mice and squirrels and cows and ducks and everything else, but not in human beings. Uh, let's be real. If it's in mammals and mammals produce it, then the human beings are mammals too. The physically mammals, physically great great apes, and that's what, uh, you know, uh, that's my observation of this whole thing. So it's already in your body, so 
no, it can't, it can't be detected on regular drug tests. All right. Uh, call it, thank you so much. Caller from the – and she replied, she said, I want to go somewhere tropical and trip then. And then I told her, I said, hey, you're going to be somewhere tropical if you take five grams. You ain't got to worry. They they get you somewhere way more than tropical, in my in my opinion. <laughs> As we say here, you say, Bob, on a, on a nice on, on a nice cool Saturday night, just take you five and just lay it on down in your bedroom, and you can you gonna get as tropical as you want. <laughs> right. Yeah, folks be you know folks like to bring the na- the nature vibe in, and that's okay for uh, low um, doses when you want the nature to be synergized. But if you take a sufficient dose. It, you know, don't worry about nature. Nature takes care of itself. You're not going to be in nature. You're going to be in the multiverse. Mm, nice, nice. You just need a, a, a safe, comfortable place and darkness. You don't need no music. You don't need no candles. You don't need no chakra cleansing, cleansing bells, and all that kind of stuff. You just need darkness a comfortable space place, and the dose. Mm. Call us from the call us from the three three six four one six. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get the name of where you're calling from, please, tonight? Uh, greetings. This is Amsu here. Greetings, fellas. Peace. 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 Yeah, you know, um, it was just uh, just what uh, Bob Kalini was just uh, speaking on. In regards to you said darkness in the dose, that's that's a good one right there. Um, but I had um, the opportunity to, 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 to you know, befriend a, a person that, when I was out in the Southwest that was a uh, member of the SEAL, SEAL team, and he, he said that they would actually take them to places where like the Twawas or the Hutu um, to learn some of their, their fighting styles. Um, and I was just uh, wanted to know, uh, Bob, what what is your your experience, or do you know anything about what they call the twa or the pygmies, and what they what they incorporate, or, or you know what type of uh, ethnic agents that they use? Well, number one, they're the the, the first users of the iboga, um, you know, uh, but they're um, uh, some of the different Twa groups, um, the Apa, uh, some of their groups, um, their origin stories talk about mushrooms. So they deal with they deal with mushrooms and the Iboga and other things that I don't know I I, I wouldn't know about because you have to be Twa to know about those different things that they have, but. Um, uh, in the con- in the Congo and surrounding areas, those are the places that weren't directly affected by the Younger Dryas or Clovis impacts those asteroids because Central and East Africa were preserved. Every time you see one of these disaster movies, be it 2012 or whatever, they always end up in Africa. You know, because Africa wasn't wasn't affected by these things, because you know, many places it's just on a plate, and 
the way the the torrential waters came in and things like that didn't affect Central and East Africa. And you know that because at the time of that impact, that last impact, uh, 9,600 years ago, at the time that Atlantis uh, was uh, was sunk, that time, and all of the megafauna in the North American and Central American and a lot of South America, the megafauna was killed these, uh, up to 80% of the megafauna in those areas were killed. In Central East Africa, you still have 90% of the megafauna. You still have the different elephants and uh, you know the giraffes and rhinoceros and hippopotamuses and stuff like that, the big animals. Whereas, you know, North America had four different types of elephants, you know, four different types of elephants, all dead, one afternoon, boom, hit the ice pack, um, and, you know, deluged and, you know, basically killed them all out in the afternoon, whereas Central East Africa wasn't affected because they had their megafauna and you had continuous civilization going back thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, you know, so that's what uh, you know. That's what you can can see about the dealing with the the Twa in their uh, you know society. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, you know, just some of the the, the things that you had discussed earlier uh, in regards to you know, these nanoparticles and things that, that we now are, you know, science is just kind of discovering. But when you speak about the soul and, and uh, you know, that, that, that in itself is information that has to be disseminated, you know, for in order for us to actually go into those deeper worlds because, you know, I was just thinking, I said, you know, the thoughts, you know, where where do these thoughts come from if they aren't possible or if they hadn't happened before uh, well, and, and, well, and, and, and have those memories? Well, okay. we have uh, smart dust and femtoparticles, you know, nanoparticles, um, uh, a thousand trillion times smaller is the femtoparticle, and we have that in... Uh, the smart dust, which is the black medicine that is used, that is put in the cuts in different places. In Africa, you'll see what they call scarification, and you'll see the um, bubbles or knots that are on uh, the body of uh, different families, you know, their totemic skin uh, scarring. You will see black lines, and in that black line, that's the um, that's the smart dust. That's the dust that is connected, the quantum entanglement with particles from different solar systems that connect family members to one another over space and through time. So that black powder 
that um, you see the Akans, you know, uh, like the black medicine, the exponentiated black medicine of uh, of the Akan. They have, they have black powder so fine that they take it and put it on your hand and put it on your hand in like a little cone, a little heel, and they tap the side of your hand, and the medicine goes in through your skin pores into your bloodstream for the family connection. And what they do is they take a small part of the original medicine that they brought from the Sirius star system with them when they came through the galaxy, they brought that black powder with them. And how they keep it going and exponentiated is that you take, you you have a, the core ingredients from the sacred forest, and what what happens is is that you make all of this, you burn it down the charcoal, and you put some of the original medicine in it, which synergizes the whole of the new batch, and you can take from that batch and put it in the next batch and that batch and put it in the next batch and keep the medicine going. But they always have some of the original medicine, the magic powder that was depicted in Remember the Time with Michael Jackson when he was before Iman and Eddie Murphy, when all the magicians came out and did their magic stuff, Michael Jackson came out in the gold and white, gold into white powder, where it becomes an orbitally rearranged monatomic element and is eaten for immortality. When he was to do his magic, he brought out the black powder and threw it on the floor, disappeared, and then came back out and danced and sung his Michael Jackson song and all that kind of stuff. That was depicting with the royal bloodlines, the white monatomic gold and the black Femto smart dust particles in front of the Mesut's Bitti in front of the Pharaoh, which is the line of those folks who are depicted in the ancients to be in this day, and also from the ancient bloodline, which was Iman. So we have the smart dust. We have the Femto dust. Look up Femto and Femto technology, F-E-M-T-O. Nano is the old stuff. Nano is what's in your phone. Femto is where the magic happens. See, people that don't know keep talking about energy, like the guy, what's his name, Suzuki or the Japanese Astrophysicist, what's his name? That's a dude, Suzuki, the other guy. Um, uh, I know you can't think of his name. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know um, him. Uh, the TV physicist, right? Hawassi. Yeah, it begins with an H, I think. Yeah. You know, you, everybody knows what I'm talking about. I'll think of it in a second. Yeah. But they yeah. talk about they talk about the utilization of energy. Energy is abundant everywhere. If you have the right understanding of 
how to produce it into a technology, energy is limitless. They talk about uh, what is it? The stage three civilization is uh, utilizes all of the energy of its sun, and the stars, uh, uh, stage four civilization utilizes energy from all over the galaxy. No, that's not it. That's thinking in the same old way. What is is that if you understand a particle of which you could put a quintillion, quintillion of them on a speck of dust has enough energy to run the universe. We're not talking about putting things together where we can uh, build, you know, impossible two burgers from vegetables. No, we're talking about from the virtual realms, true energy and magic where, like the doggone Jetsons, you want dinner, you say replicator. I want this and that. I want green beans. I want mashed potatoes. I want a uh, steak and, you know, some jello and, you know, some, uh, I want a ginger beer. It works. <laughs> make it, make it, make it so. And out of nothing, built out of nothing, it appears perfect temperature, even built the plate from the virtual realms, the, the, you know, the knife and fork and spoon, all that stuff is built from nothing. That's what we're talking about. We ain't talking about, you know, utilizing the energy of suns. No. We're talking about, and then we, and we're closer to it than your, your, your top layer of skin is to the second layer of skin is in your body. To where you say, let it be, thus is so, and it comes from nothing, from nowhere. True magic, but it's based upon science. It's based upon numbers. Or where you say, 78, you know, that I be full forever and enjoy the taste of all food that exists all the time. So that I, don't, I'm, I don't have to eat nothing. I'm never hungry. I'm always full. It always tasted good and never passed my palate. Talking about be in Alpha Centauri on the planet six from the, from the left sun and so and so and so on, you there before you can even think of it. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about the the little nonsense that they're talking about, you know, if it can't be, if, if it doesn't violate the laws of physics. The physics, the laws of physics, that's only a local, that's only, those are only local laws. Mm. That, ain't law for every, that ain't law for every place. The places that have different laws of physics. From different I worlds that are, exactly, that are exactly the same as this one. See, we can't limit ourselves to the thoughts of people who ain't going to take enough mushrooms to, to understand even the smallest inkling of what we're, uh, what we truly are. God don't, the gods don't measure up to what you are. You can't even think of what you are. 
you have to be what you are. And to get glimpses of that, you have to start delving deeper and deeper and deeper into that darkness because it's all there. You know, folks will tell me, you know, light is greater than darkness. How? Light come out of darkness. Darkness is light's mom and daddy. <laughs> I'm a child. I'm a child of I'm a, I'm a light bearer. I'm the child, children of light. Well, I'm a darkness bearer. I'm a children of the darkness. The triple thick darkness. Darkness so dark it can't. You can't even perceive it as darkness. It's bright. That's how you can see in it. That's what I'm always talking about, below the plank length, below the plank length, below the plank length. Because light don't exist down there because it's orders of magnitude above the plank length. So there's a lot of no light, no heat, no cold. But you do not freeze. Because there's no moisture. You can't freeze dryness, but you can't freeze moisture. Got another caller? Yes, but you got some people over here scratching their head, including myself. I'm gonna just go ahead and say that. But I'm but I'm still lining up with you because that's like what I was telling like everybody knows I'm big in astrology, but one day I just they just showed me whoever they is, it was just like, yo, it doesn't matter what system you saying, whether you with the Vedic system or whether you the 13th line system or whatever, astrology don't work outside of this, so out of this localized solar system and galaxy that we in, like, because we haven't mapped anything else outside of that. So stop getting, you know, like so puffed up. Because I I know some astrologers, you know, they'll bet their life on it. I bet my life on it too, but not when it comes to outside of this particular galaxy. And now, since we're talking about traveling the multiverse, I'm certainly not going to um, go out there and be so pompous as to say this is the end-all, be-all, you know. And so you've been talking about that the whole time, about how we got to get past this particular reality. So, yeah, I got to get another caller on the line. We got, uh, if you are listening on the computer, please call in, 917-889-3803. If you hang up in the next 30 or 45 seconds, you will not be able to get back on. So do not hang up. Just stay on. If you have a comment, question, or feedback, please press the number 1. Caller from the 513-720. Your microphone is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Hello, caller from the 513-720. Your mic is wide open. Hello. Okay, going once, going twice. All right, we gave you a chance. Sometimes people come on and, you know, it does tell them if you'd like to be a part of someone say you press one and maybe they hit it uh, accidentally, and that's okay. We can move on. Anybody else wants to get in, just press the number one. We're going to continue on with uh, with this particular conversation about 
we're going to do a small recap because tonight you have given us a lot. And even if I start at the back and go and go back to the front, we're all, all of this is under the umbrella of having this conversation of the journey of the spiritual warrior and a lot of things I've heard many people, I'm not going to say many, but I've heard more than enough people who I've been talking to in private conversations about mushrooms say, "Oh man, I don't I don't really I don't really like not being in control." And to me, control and knowing things is about the physics of your own dimensional space that we say we have control over. And Baba, can you talk about I was asking you about relationships a couple of weeks ago, and you said, man, you're just fighting the algorithm you know, that has been implemented. But I feel that there are several algorithms or glitches in the matrix that are trying to keep us from pushing the limits and giving up what we call control. Can you speak on that? Are we really in control of anything, or is anything on this side of a – Five, seven, and nine dosage worth trying to maintain control of? Well, inside of our travel through the multiverse and particle realms, we don't disacknowledge the physical realm. It's still there. We still have to work with it. We still have to uh, deal with its physical laws while we're here because it's a place to learn many different things. Now, the, you know, uh, some of the areas of different types of knowledge that we acknowledge in the physical sense are not part and parcel of the hyperdimensional knowledge. It's much of what we um, deal with as moralisms and things like that that are applicable in the physical sense are not applicable in the uh, in the multiverse. You know, it is here that uh, folks try to preserve their power and rulership over uh, over the spirits, over the souls, while they can in this dimension, but. You know, they're running programs. You know, they're running what? The consumer program. They're running the entertainment program. They're running the politics program. They're running the feminist program. All these are different programs so that you can get get responses, you know, so that you can get measured responses. We know if we push this button, it's going to make this response. So if you're making and feeling the average response of what you're doing, then you're running the program. Most people are, are working on the junior high school program. You still, you may have a car, you may have a mortgage, you may have children, but you're still 14 years old. You're still running the same programs that you ran when you were 14 years old. you just a... 45-year-old, 14-year-old. And these programs run automatically. We know if we say this, this is going to get this response. They're not going to think about it. They're not going to um, have any um, 
concise dialogue on it, they're just going to run the program, you know. They're just going to run the program. So these programs out here, they embed it in the the matrix. They embed it in our society. Um, I saw it run on a it's a uh, it's a site on uh, on on Facebook or whatever you know that um, it shows the Latino female program where this where this buxom big behind woman in high heels would walk to a couple, and they're, like, sitting on a park bench or in a restaurant or they're in a shoe store or something like that. And she would go up, and she'd have on a miniskirt. She'd bend over and show her thong and look back at the guy. And to a woman, that woman slapped her boyfriend or husband or pushed him, then ran after the woman, and the woman woman runs away. Every one of them did the same thing, you know. And the guy, you know, the woman bent over in front of him, and he looked. If uh, If it had been a truck driver and he was next to him and the truck driver pulled out a wrench, he would have looked at, he would have looked because that's a, you know, it's a conditioned response to something coming in front of you. You look at it because that's a fight or flight mechanism that is millions and millions and millions of years old. Now, of course, after he looked at the woman bending over the dog, you know, he he had a smile because that's the sexual response, you know, that mm, maybe, you know, whatever. But the thing is, to a woman, she did the same exact response. Not one of them broke the program, you know. Not one of them broke the program because it was an algorithm. It was a program that they were running. And that's in all all different things, you know. Folks here, it's 11 degrees below zero. They're more concerned with dogs in the backyard than they are with people on the street. Detroit, I don't know if it still has, but Detroit had more amputees than any place else in the world of homeless people being on the street in freezing temperatures, getting frostbite in their feet and having their feet cut off because people didn't didn't care enough to try to get the people off the street. Now, you have a little Salvation Army, a little this, a little that, and as long as they get their donations of money, they're doing what they need to do to try to get these people off the streets. And now, of course, it's a Christmas time program running. You know, we must be, you know, we must get people off the street because 11 degrees below zero. But they're more concerned with the dogs than they are with the people, with the running programs. Mm, 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 mm. Um. Wow. Uh, I got a brother that five one three. He just texted me. I'm gonna try to open his mic back up. See, he get back on. He had a question for you. Uh, Chris Enlighten, can you hear me now? I just open your mic back. Greetings, up. greetings. Can y'all hear me now? Got you loud and clear, brother. Greetings. Oh man, Gre- greetings, greetings. I've been a fan for years. Uh, 
um, I, I'm just, um, man, I, I don't get nervous, but um, certain people I talk to, I just really get excited, man. I've always been impressed with your your vast reservoir of knowledge and all that good stuff, man. You just, uh, um, the way you create a bridge between intellect and your warrior code, I love that. That's that's me. I, I embody that as well. But one of, one one things I've I've got a question with you is um I've given up yes. liquor, marijuana, any recreational drugs years ago to expand my consciousness, and I've seen a benefit from it. And I was just wondering if there's any way for me to achieve those hyperdimensional states where they're fighting and all those other fighting styles you were talking about earlier. Is there any way to achieve those states? Naturally, anything like any any teas I can drink or anything like that that I could, you know, maybe M- at least yeah, mushrooms. Mushrooms, mushrooms are natural. Okay. They're just they're fungi. Fungi. Okay. You can make a tea out of, matter of fact, you can make a tea out of mushrooms. So I answered your question real quick. Okay. See, the thing <laughs> is, is that when you talk about when you talk about hallucinogens, psychedelics, entheogens, they are natural. You know. Okay. At least the ones I'm talking about. You got some that, you know, you need baking soda and, you know, some hydrochloric acid and all that kind of stuff. But no, mushrooms are our oldest entheogen. When we were walking the Sahara when it was green, leaving the canopy rainforest because they were receding following the following the herds, hunters and gatherers. Men basically dealing with the hunting, hunting, women dealing with the gathering, but of course that crossed over because if you're walking down the doggone road and you see a sack of potatoes, you're going to pick up the sack of potatoes. You're going to say, I'm a man. I don't gather right. nothing. I just eat meat. I just hunt. No, it wasn't that type of nonsense didn't come in until uh, much, 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 much later. No, hmm. when we were hunting, and it wasn't really even hunting, it was like you steal a piece of meat between when the lion kills the antelope and the hyenas come in and eat after the lions, then the wild dogs come in. In between the wild dogs and the vultures and the other scavengers, you you send Freddy or Sam to run and grab a piece of meat. Other than that, you know, you're killing bugs with rocks and, you know, uh, smaller animals and stuff like that. So following the great herds, these mushrooms were coprophilic. In other words, they were dung-loving mushrooms. So on the cow pies, on the giraffe pies, on the hippopotamus pies, on the elephant pies, but they basically liked the cows growing on those pies were the mushrooms. And we tried them. And we found that mushrooms at low dose are for hunting because it delivers what's called visual acuity. In other words, it makes Mm. you see better. See farther, the, mm. the lines sharpen, the colors become more vivid. So you can see farther. So that's an adaptive advantage for a hunting and gathering group because mm. you can see the animals further. You can see the flower that sits on top of the potato plant. I mean, the potato plant. They got the potatoes under the ground. You can see that at a further distance. And mm. they found that at medium doses, it is a true aphrodisiac. A aphrodisiac not like what most people call aphrodisiacs, which just creates genital itching, which means if it's itching, then this might as well use it. No. Medium-dose mushrooms create what's called central nervous system arousal, CNS arousal, which in the male is erection and 
uh, antiness that can't go to sleep. So it is, you know, an adaptive advantage because it creates more successful copulations. More successful mm-hmm. copulations means more children, which means that more children will reach the age of majority and be able to pass the genes on to the next level of of, of children. You know, that's why I don't, you know, um, go for the celibacy, you know, uh, ejaculations, mm-hmm. not, you know, ejaculating all that kind of stuff because that's hardwired into the nervous system that once you stop dealing with the prime directive, which is procreation, regardless of what society says, when you stop having ejaculations, that tells your nervous system to say that this person is no longer having children, they're no longer viable as an entity because the prime directive for human beings on earth is to pass the genes on to the next generation. When you stop and start, and when you stop, your nervous system is going to say, okay, this person is finished, he's ready to die because he's not useful anymore to the prime directive of why human beings are on earth. So all that Mm. celibacy and I'm I'm saying to my seed, no, you had men who had 600 wives and he was having sex with 600 wives, you know, three and four a day for 70 and 80 years every day. So if he was losing, if he was losing, I'm losing semen and that takes away your power and all that kind of stuff. No, it makes you more manly. It, delivers more testosterone to the system because you have to rise up to the capacity of the women that you have. And I know the program is running that, oh, a man having more women. I know that program is running down. But that's, that's that has nothing to do with the prime directive of human beings. Moving on to the next level of ingestion with mushrooms is that at higher doses, it delivers a mystery. It delivers the mystery, a mystery that is just as much a mystery as in 2019, as it was 30,000 years ago, 60,000 years ago, 100,000 years ago, a million years ago. It's still a mystery, and it's probably they were better equipped with that mystery than we are today because we have all these beliefs inside of what we're doing. So mm. mushrooms are natural. It's just as much natural as ginger it's just as much natural as the the mushrooms you get, you know, shiitake and lion's mane and uh, all that is just as natural as lavender and the rest. It grows in nature. It's part of the earth. It's part of our foodstuffs, which we utilize, that nourishes not only our body, but also nourishes our mind and spirit. Well, I accept and I appreciate that answer, and I appreciate your time. appreciate you both. I appreciate you. Have a good evening. Oh, man, he, he he had it rolling right there. Thanks for calling in, brother. I'm going to leave your microphone open. You might come up with something else right there because that's why I like the forum type of conversation we have, and I'm glad those these type of people call in because, Bobby, that's what I had told you at the beginning when you first started coming on on show one, like my audience, we're looking for real information. We're looking for real real wisdom and real, you know what I'm saying, expanding our knowledge past that. And I ain't heard of nobody talking about the, what you just said that really struck my common sense chords. You said that the prime directive is to 
multiply. You know what I'm saying? And self-preservation is about multiplying. And then now here come people, because I ain't going to say the Chinese. I'm going to just say people are coming in saying, well, if you ejaculate too much, it's going to mess up your prostate gland and blah, blah, blah. But like you said, people will pontificate something just so they can win an argument. That's To me, that's really the problem over here in the West anyway is the keyboard kung fu artist and all that. And then now I got to go back and check Montauk Chia because they act like he's mm. the poster child for you shouldn't have no ejaculations. Or um, they asked Mike Tyson, did you ever um, – they asked Mike Tyson on, on, Joe, on the Joe Rowan show, did you ever not ejaculate? Were you practicing not having sex before a fight? And Mike was like, hell no. Mike said, I was getting me some so it wouldn't be on my mind when I was having the fight. So, I mean, I'm going to just answer straight up, Bob. This, you, you can either answer the opinion or you can say what you say what you know. I mean, on that particular situation with seminal retention, is Montauk a glitch in the matrix or is he full of shit or, or people just misquoting what he's saying? Like, what's the, what's the deal? Because you done touched on something right here. We got to so we got this. Because, uh, hold on, because these sisters is out here spreading it to the brothers, the conscious, uh, um, what I want to call it, the Shea Butter Queens is saying, hey, brothers, y'all ain't supposed to be ejaculating. Y'all supposed to be ejaculating. And some of the gardeners or some of the merchants is out here saying, yes, we brothers must hold our semen, and this is the only way. And yes, this is the whole. Yes, you got it. If you got a hose, clench it and see what it does. That jacks your prostate up. Your prostate is made to squeeze the ejaculation out. It ain't meant to get backed up or uh, not used because if you're not using it, what does a muscle do when it's not used? It atrophies. You lose it. Uh-huh. You know. And if you, you know, it was made to go left to right and some is going left to right, and you back it up, going right to left, it's going clog up. It's just basic hydraulics, you know. Mm. You don't see you didn't you don't see the do, do you see the lions not you know uh, sitting back and trying to breathe their way through an ejaculation and not have it? No, the leopards, the chimpanzees, the elephants, the giraffes. Others. That's natural for you to do that. You're talking about priesthoods, monasteries up on top of mountains with people who, you know, what the heck? You wasn't no women up there. You know, they have a whole uh, they have a whole um, masturbation science coming out of them temples and stuff like that. That's all the secrets. That's all the secret stuff. You do all that other stuff while you are an apprentice, while you are a neophyte. You know, they tell you, okay, don't ejaculate for 10 years and all that kind of stuff. Then they let you in the next room and they're all in there jacking off. You know, I have another question too, good brother. Um, I'm a big fan of the collective consciousness, and I've used the consciousness of other people to help fuel me win and do great things. But as I'm maturing, I'm just 43 now, still a young man, but as I'm maturing, I'm realizing that when I'm alone, I feel as if I'm stronger. I've never been a big click-type dude or anything like that, but I noticed that when I'm in a, in, in a house in my lab alone, 
I get more downloads. How do you feel about just being like a, a spiritual ronin, just doing your own thing and just, just stand to yourself to get stronger? Is that something you do, or or did you just go out and just link up with a bunch of other people to amass all the information you've amassed? Oh, well, no. I mean, I've had uh, teachers and people who have um, shared knowledge and information with me. But as I said, with the mushroom excursion, with the mushroom journey, the real work is done alone. And when you understand it, you're alone anyway. You're alone in the dark. All of the things that are necessary and pertinent in your sojourn through the multiverse are done alone. They ain't done in a group. I mean, you can have uh, liaisons and connective links with people, but, you know, it's, it's, all, it's all done alone. This is a solitary journey, alone and unguarded. They ain't no, there ain't no backup, no hand to grab, nobody to uh, put their arm around you. You know, you ain't the little lamb of God that he's going to cover you in his Holy Spirit and all that kind of nonsense. No, you out here alone and you got to stand and face everything that exists by yourself. Now, when you're on these um, psychedelic journeys or ventures, can you be harmed in that, in that conscious state that will affect you physically? Yeah, if you're stupid enough to eat a bunch of mushrooms and sit on the roof and you slip off and fall, you're going to be harmed physically. But as far as, no, you're going to, you know, uh, while you're in the excursion, if you're in the bed and you can only fall to the floor and not hit yourself on the coffee table or something like that, no, you're not going to harm yourself physically. Okay. Another part of that question, is there a way for um, me to, like, coordinate with other people around the country that I trust, that we all take our uh, mushrooms at the same time and have a focal point that we can potentially meet up? Is that possible? That's called the Transdimensional Village. If you um, look at the uh, book published by uh, Entheogenesis Australis or Australia of the speakers and people who were associated with the psychedelic conference that they had in Australia, you'll find my artist, my article called the interdimensional village of where mm. people at different points in time, uh, coordinate themselves to ingest mushrooms at the same time around the world and meet up in hyperspace in the interdimensional village of which we've been working on for three years to get people ready to get in the village. So um, not only is that uh, possible, that's one of our, our um, pet projects that we're working on for people to be able to, um, you know, go into those spaces. We also, we also have, uh, the transdimensional crystals that have maps that you utilize during the entheogenic excursion to be able to traverse yourself without a lot of trouble to the um, interdimensional village. The maps come out as in, um, if you saw Prometheus, when, yes. when David was in with the, the the alien will he was sitting in the um in the chair, the chair. 
Yeah. And all of the different all the different worlds and different star mm-hmm. systems and stuff like that came up. That's how the crystal opens up and delivers the map mm-hmm. of where you're trying to make it to, which is the interdimensional village. So yes, that's not only possible, okay. but that's one of our projects. That's one of our projects. I no, want to jump in on this one. Sorry, brother. Hold on, Chris. I want to jump in with the astrology one right here because it's just. Baba, when y'all are practicing this, and this is if you can answer it, I don't know what you want to, you know, reveal about that now, but are y'all just saying we're just going to meet on Wednesday because everybody's free on Wednesday, or is there like an astrologer there or some type of we're going to look at some of these particular placements? Because when you look at a lot of these movies, they say, you know, on the fourth moon of such and such, this is a sign, you know, like what this portal is opening. So are you using, um, like, some type of astrology piece like me? When I see eclipses, I'm not going in on an eclipse. I'm not inviting people to go in on an eclipse. But if I see a certain configuration in the sky that's fruitful, like, you know, the moon in Cancer is full of energy, it's a full moon, I'm saying, yo, we can get that boost from the moon then, um, are y'all doing it like that, or are y'all just picking random mm. times to say meet on Wednesday, Thursday? Uh, 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 we'd be on, we, we're not doing a, a uh, astrology piece because it's not pertinent to a whole different dimension that does not have those artificial constructs in it. There's no moon in where we're going, and the place is a construct of which the individual village is a construct of which we constructed and left the maps to. It ain't got nothing to do with Saturn. It ain't got nothing to do with Capricorn. It ain't got nothing to do with there's an eclipse or whether there's um, a favorable time, favorable time. I mean, people, that's all for your personal rituals if that's something you want to do. You know, you have people who go mm. to the new moon, the full moon. You know, you have people that may go on eclipses and all that kind of stuff or women on their period. All that kind of stuff is your your personal thing, but this is not part of that because there's no there's not the same solar system construct that we have here to relate those things to. You stepping into a whole different realm of reality where those places aren't aren't there. Whoa, but that makes that makes perfect sense to me because. Multiverse is the eclipse is only happening around here in this local area. I'm not staying local. I'm getting ready to go hyperdimensional. So that makes that to me that makes one thousand percent sense to me. I'm 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 getting that. Yeah. Uh, Chris, go, Chris, go ahead with your next one, and I'm gonna let Rashid in. He 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 just raised his hand. Great, great. My sec, my other question was. I know that you were mentioning the different doses and where they take you to, um, depending on the, like a medium dose, a maximum dose, or however high dose you take. Does your consciousness um, de- depict where you go? Like if my level of awareness is stronger than the next man, if I take a medium dose, would I go farther? Or, or is it the same for everyone? Or is, is someone like tracking like, okay, if you take this amount, this specific amount, you're going to go here. If you take this specific amount, you're going to go here. If so, I would love to have that. So if when I do decide to do this, I'll know exactly where I'm going. Well, it's, it's all different because everybody's physiology is different. You know, mm-hmm. everybody's access to serotonin receptor sites, which the, um, the psilocybin docks into, 
is is different. So you just have to keep going up as far as a high dose to get where you had a point of access. Now it's general because you you know you can't say well it's 17 grams because Kalindi went to here. You you know if I take 17 grams I'm gonna go here. It may take you 20 or it may only take you 12. But we get you in the ballpark because this is an art form. It's not uh, you you have to uh, practice because it's a discipline also. Okay. You know, you have to be able to hold the position of where you are, uh, are you, you're trying to get to, you know, okay. because adventure abounds in the entheogenic world. You know, you can start out, <laughs> you know, you may have you may have had an argument with your grandmother, you know, not an oh. argument, but just a disagreement, you know. Your grandmother may have said, boy, you need Jesus, and you say, Grandma, you know, I've done study, I, you know, I'm a, I'm a man mm-hmm. now, I'm 46 years old, and I don't really believe that there is a Jesus. And Grandma just goes out, and, oh, Lord, and stuff like that. You shouldn't have said it to her mm-hmm. because it, didn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it ain't going to make no difference in her life. She's going to see Jesus. But right. you said that you don't really believe in that. So your grandmother and you had a disagreement, and two weeks later you hadn't, you know, apologized or smoothed it over and like that, your grandmother passes. Mm-hmm. Now you're going to utilize uh, mushrooms to access your grandmother's consciousness out in the multiverse, mm-hmm. you know, because you didn't get a chance to straighten that out. So mm-hmm. you have to keep your, dis- you have to keep your discipline and all that meditative stuff that people be talking about. I'm meditating and holding my consciousness and breathing to, become one point in this. That's all That's all the after fact of the entheogens and is utilized inside of that type of work. So mm. you keep your focus on your grandmother. You don't put your focus on what's happening over here, this star being born or this galactic battle going on between the uh, Klingons and the Federation and all that kind of stuff. You're like, dog, I want to see Captain Kirk and then fight the Klingons, you know. But no, <laughs> you, went in to speak to, you went in to speak to your grandmother. So you keep mm. the discipline and your eye on the prize of speaking to your grandfather, grandmother so you can take care of this business. So that's what, that's what this is about, being disciplined, practicing, accessing where you need to do. But everybody is different. So, you know, where I can do it at 15, it may take you 16 because there's no set number for your consciousness. You have to explore into the multiverse to be able to get your dose where you want to, uh, your dose to get you. Mm, thank you, Chris. Stay on the you. line. I'm gonna leave your mic open. I gotta bring. Uh, I gotta bring Rashid in. Four oh four nine eight nine. Your mic is wide open. Thanks for joining the show tonight. Where you calling in from? Peace, peace, blessings, everyone. I'm calling in from Atlanta, Georgia. Peace, uh, peace Father Kalindi. Thank you. Uh, greetings, and I appreciate and thank you for uh, your work and coming on the show and sharing with us in this form is amazing and um, very heavy. And thank you, Coach Kaya, for having the, having the platform. Um, the question that I had or the, uh, yeah, the uh, concern, what I, what I was thinking was that one of my teachers once before um, told me that uh, the spiritual tools choose you. You don't choose the tool. And um, I'm hearing and, and, um, listening to you guys and sounding as if the 
the epiogens or the mushrooms are a spiritual tool for um, for expansion, for consciousness expansion. And one uh, practice that I'm familiar with or that's common in uh, the circles that I frequent is using spiritual tools in the dream state by putting them under your pillow uh, while you sleep at night. And I heard you talking about growing the epinogen under the bed. And I was wondering about the, um, the frequencies and the energy given off of the uh, epinogen just in general. Would one uh, be able to absorb the frequency or the benefits um, in that way as if it were a crystal of sorts uh, without ingesting it, maybe for people who are fasting or breathitarians or um, people who have are in a uh, job or work or education or something like that. Thank you. Well, um, you ain't gonna you ain't gonna get a. I mean, you can get the frequency. You're not gonna get a empyogenic journey from having it under your bed. Um, you know, as far as you know, uh, folks work with these things. You have to, you have to eat it. I mean, everybody wants to get away and, um, you know, do it without taking the dose. And that's the way we always did it. If you, if you remember the, the, uh, the book, Contact, or if you saw the movie with Jodie Foster, when she went in the machine, you know, the big mushroom machine, and went to the other dimension, he said, we don't know who built it, but this is the way we've always done it. Tiny little moves, small moves, that's what he said. This is the way we've always done it. This is why it's here, for us to eat it. It's not for uh, spontaneous, full empyogenic trips. You can't survive in a physical with full entheogenic trips. You can't be riding down the street and a doggone wormhole open up in a different dimension, but you in a physical car and a physical body, and that wormhole opens up in the middle of the road and you make a left to go through the wormhole and run into somebody's Pontiac. It was made so, okay, I want to take the entheogen. I'm going to get in a safe place because I have a body. I'm going to get in a comfortable place or I'll be comfortable. So I'm not fighting the, you know, I'm not fighting the covers and I'm not fighting the, the you know, the, the door or somebody disturbing me and stuff like that. I'm not fighting, you know, uh, listening to the, the dramatics and all that kind of stuff. You choose to take this. It is a tool. It is a tool for consciousness expansion or consciousness access to expansion. And it is a tool to explore the multiverse and you utilize that tool as a tool, you know, you don't walk around with a drill in your hand all the time, you know, because that I'm spiritual and natural, you know. No, when you're ready to drill, you go get the drill. When you're ready to saw, you go get the saw. When you're ready to travel to Merciverse, you go get your entheogen and take it, and you know how long it's going to be. It's going to be six to eight hours. You know, if I take it at 10 o'clock on Saturday night, then it'll be by the time eight o'clock come, I'll be able to drive, I'll be able to go pick up the children, all that kind of stuff. No, you can't get away from eating it unless you get away from eating, you know. And I know a lot of spiritual people, but I don't know no breatharians, you know. <laughs> I know people that fast. I know people that fast. I've done forty eight 
every year fast 40 days for four, for 48 years. Mm. So I know fasting. I broke fast on 40 grams of mushroom. Broke a 40-day fast on 40 grams of mushroom. <laughs> Whoa. Wow. Whoa. <clears throat> what was the name of that place that you went to? Yeah, heavyweight, right? <laughs> where, where were you at? Yeah. Well, we, we, that one ain't for publication. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, one thing. Well, yes, all good questions, which lead up to this next one about. I want to just take it back around to. Um, you talked to Chris about discipline. You talked to Rashid about tools, and before that, you were talking about intentions of I want to go and um, talk to my grandmother and, you know, resolve some issues with my ancestors. So is that this possibility of whatever my intention is, I'm able to go into that area if I have discipline? And for me, that goes back to the martial component of practicing this this reality Develop, you know, using martial arts to help develop our discipline, using meditation and breath control to develop our discipline. So that particular habit would go with us when we start taking these hyperdimensional travels. Um, and and is it the same thing if you don't have any intentions? Like if you are rushing to get to the place, you know, you say, well, at, at eight o'clock I'm going to start my journey and drink my tea or eat my mushrooms. But I'm, it's, it's seven fifty, and I gotta pay this credit card bill before eight o'clock. I gotta pay this bill. Aren't you carrying that same uh, trauma or stress of debt into into the trip as well? Is it is it really uh, how important is it to like space that out to really be in chill chill mode of uh, intention setting when you get ready for the journey? Well, you want to try to get all that out of the way before you, uh, you know, to give you a little bit of time to reflect and relax and stuff like that. You don't, you don't want to be paying that, but I didn't pay the gas bill just for I ate mushrooms, you know, because we're still living in the world, you know. <laughs> uh-huh. Right. But not engaging see, in any... I, see, even though, this is, even though I'm talking about the multiverse and all this stuff, I'm, I'm just regular, you know. They, you know, they call me Master Clinic and all that kind of stuff, but I never call myself, I never put anything on my, anything that I've done and call myself Master Anything. A lot of people, you know, they, they start believing their own press, you know. Mm. We all, we all here together, we all groping in the dark trying to find out what this is about. For one man to try to, uh, to, to put another man on a pedestal, that's not what I do or we do, even my teachers. You know, they were, they they share with me from their experience. They weren't better than me, or I wasn't subservient to them. You know, they were men like me, and it's the same with everybody. We're all standing down here on the ground trying to work our way through the, the great mystery. Where do we come from? If we have been, not from the beginning of time, but we have always been, where do we come from? What are we? Because we don't even know where we are. And we don't go show know where we're going. All you know is that you got to keep putting one foot in front of the other and face everything 
as a uh, a sovereign being in the multiverse, not bending knee to anyone, you know, and you know anyone that you acknowledge as someone who is 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 a a a guide or something like that. When you honor them, you're only honoring the best within yourself, also. So we're together. Wow. We're mm. we're brothers in the mystery. We're, we're brothers in the mystery. So all these folks who, you know, want to honor the, you know, the divine right of kings and all that kind of stuff that I have over you, that's all that Anunnaki, you know, Jehovah, Yahweh, you know, uh, pimp, pimp stuff. You know, they come in there. You, you can come in there. Everybody bow, bow, bow on me in the virtual gaze from the power that I am. No, nope, not having it. Hey, I got um, a question. We, do we have uh, anybody else online? Nobody else is ready. Go ahead with your question. Thank okay, you. well, go ahead with Thank your go ahead with your question, and then I have to to roll because I gotta work on my hand. I uh, messed it up um, earlier in the week, so uh, I'll, I'll uh-huh. take your question. All right, I'll be real quick. One thing I, I like to know the front end and the back end on whatever I'm doing. Um, so, what are the, some of the uh, beneficial side effects, or not even side effects, but enhancements that can someone can expect to have consciously? After taking shrooms, after they come back to this reality, where they find themselves just over time, just being more, just knowing things, uh, being more intuitive, really having some more gifts, you know, that, those are some. One of the, the last questions that I have. All of the, all of those, all of those things. You answered your question yourself. Yes, <laughs> more gifts, more connected to uh, the energy, more sensitive to things. Just like I said, first person martial art, and I said. Not a martial art, but it can be any location. You could be a blacksmith. You could be, uh, uh, you know, a person that cuts the hedges. All those things are going to get better, and you're going to be more in tune with it because you're going to get into, you're going to start expanding your knowledge base from just the physical areas that you have now. You know, you know, and even the stories of, of uh, you know, um, you know, people talking about. The angel came and visited me and taught me how to do this and all that kind of stuff. All that stuff is part of it, mm. you know. All that's part of it. So yes. So I appreciate. Hey, yeah. So uh, thank you very much for having me on. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, the, the honor of being on the show and sharing with uh, people something a little different than the regular thing that we hear, you know. Um, but it's all uh, parts and pieces of the puzzle. You know, you came back out of reality and paying the gas bill. Um, you still have to, you know, uh, deal with your children and spouse and all that kind of stuff. You still can be a, a king in the street and, you know, John Dormat at home and stuff like that, mm. you know. But, you know, even even Zeus, you know, Hera gave him a hard time all the time. So uh, thanks a lot for having me be on the show, and I'll talk to you all soon. Thank you, sir. All right, Bob. Bob, we appreciate it. Um, Peace. Uh, we're going to stay on the line. We're going to let Bob, we're going to stay on the line and keep the conversation rolling a little bit, a little after party, after party. After the teacher mm-hmm. done left, we're going to let him go take care of what he got to take care of. 
Um, Bobby will be having something in Detroit and on May 17th. I did catch that calendar next week. We try to get him to make an announcement on that. And um, we oh, all yeah. want to send Bobby some. Yeah. Um, but you can wait till next week on that right there. You can have to mention it now. I'm going to just. I just dropped that because that's my birthday. So I want to say thank you for having my birthday party in Detroit this year, Bob, on May 17th. I mean, I couldn't have done it. You are really a really good guy. You're a really good guy for how all that is, um, what do you call that? Coincidentally, just you got Jerry and the Toad coming on my birthday to your city. Ooh, I don't know how you pulled that one off, but it don't matter. You did a, you did a good thing. So right. I appreciate it. All right. Thank you, Bob. Peace. Peace to, peace to you all. Peace. So yeah, I'm there. I'm oh, there, car year. May I'm there. Wait a I'm minute. there. Hey, what? How can you just wait? Wait a minute. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I'm there. Well, wait, brother. <laughs> brother. <laughs> you know how I do. That might be too far. You know what I'm saying? Divine Queen may not want to come all the way on my birthday to the trip. You know what I'm saying? You might, might, or you might be. Hey, don't matter. I'm there. <laughs> it don't matter. <laughs> she go where I go. Hey, good. Uh, we're going to do a roundtable. Whoever else want to get on this roundtable, y'all can listen in to us, or you can press one and get in. Um, the teacher done left the room, but, like, hey, I can't go nowhere right now. We got uh, 14 more minutes that Blog Talk has given us. And I got to have some of this on the record. Uh, 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 he's son. First off, I got to start with you first. Uh, I, I need some. I mean, because we're going to have a private conversation. I'm going to tell y'all now, me, Rashid, Chris, and, and, and he's son going to be on the phone after this is over. But right now, we're going to have some public doc- documentary, you know, that we can share with the public. What you got to say about tonight's episode? Because I can't call it part Man. four no more. It's just episode number four. Man, I mean, this was this was beyond epic. And if you've listened to anything that Baba Kalindi has said on YouTube, Vimeo, wherever, he don't go in like how he went in tonight all the time. This was a special night, especially from about, about I don't know what happened when we hit about 9 o'clock, but it got rough. About, about 9 o'clock, man, I'm going to have to go back with a pen and a pad because when he got to talk about that black sand and the icon and, and the particle entanglement with the tattoos, I almost lost consciousness. Yeah, right. Oh, I was Word. keeping, I was keeping, the, I was keeping the time sheet, and that was, uh, I can tell you exactly what that is. If you wanna, um, if you wanna fast forward, you can go about to nine forty-eight, nine forty. I'm talking about at the fifty-nine minute mark, he went to the trans-dimensional weapons on Earth are already mm. here, and the teaching is available. And then he said the men need to go to the planet of war and study, but they only mm-hmm. going to give you what is yours. You can't go up there and be like, oh, uh, I see my man Chris come back with that Thor's hammer. Can I get one of those? They may be like, nah, you getting this razor blade. You know what I mean? Like, this is what you need. You know, or he came back with a razor blade, and you real skinny, but you can yield a hammer. And the first thing I thought about when he was talking about that was when they tell us the story of, um, not Doctor Strange, but um, uh, 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 um, King Arthur. You know what I'm saying? King Arthur said, uh, "She, put your phone on mute until you come back on because you, uh, you got the feedback. When you get ready to come in, just unmute your phone." 
But I'm going to leave it open on my end. All right, I guess. Right. So I thought about King Arthur because King Arthur's sword, you know what I'm saying, he was rolling with Merlin, and he got a magical sword that only one person can get out of there. Who was watching over the sword mm-hmm. when King Arthur was there? You know what I'm saying? These hyperdimensional mm-hmm. beings was like, you can try, but you can't have that sword. That's only for that's only for the person we've been G-checking his whole life. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Which goes back to when I listen to Jay-Z. Jay-Z said, you are who you are when you came here. So mm-hmm. if Bob said he got, some, he got some stuff now that's in his possession, then guess what? He got it because his discipline showed that he deserved it. You feel what I'm saying? He didn't just he didn't just come in and was like, oh y'all know me I'm from so and so, holla at holla at me let me uh, let me cop that. And then he was um yeah it was at one hour, at one o one the first hour and one minute he said uh, visit your mandala and then at one hour and ten minutes was when he went into the tattoos, and then it was a wrap mm. after that right there yeah. right there was when he went into the tattoos and he was like what you crying like he was talking about the uh, the UFC fighter. He's like, why are you calling me crying, calling my phone ten times? T- t- uh, can you make it stop? How, what do you mean make it stop? I thought you was big and tough and had all the tattoos. Make the tattoo come off your arm and help you. Yeah. Like, hey, that's, what, that's what LL Cool J had said about his mic on his arm. He said, if it ever leave my arm, it transform into a time bomb. Yeah, that's how it's supposed mm-hmm. to be. Hey, Kyrie, hey, next show. Ask him about his uh, sword and the stone experience since you brought that up in Africa because it's like an actual thing in Africa that's like that where they're waiting for the chosen one to come and pull like the sword or the axe, something like that, about this stone. And he actually went over there and tried to do that. That's a real thing. <laughs> Remember that, Ooh, that next week. Yeah. There you go. There you go. I, if we can get to it. You see, when we start rolling, you got to try to get your questions in where you can get them in at. Um, the other piece. Um, man, that piece where he talked about what, where the liars were introduced, like that was huge right yeah, there. Yeah, that was heavy. About, like we was taking everybody's, uh, we was taking everybody's word for who they were at face value, and then Joker started lying, and we had to adjust like all of our consciousness. And so mm-hmm. that that sound that that was real crazy, and then that uh that femto technology. Um, mm, I wrote that down. Yeah, F E M. Yeah, I wrote that down. I'm all over that right. next week. Going in. Also, next week topic. Next week topic is going, and I, and I'm gonna send y'all the video on YouTube about what he talks about. It's an old video he did. I don't know nine, ten years ago where he was talking about you have to step into the mystery. See, I, I'm diabolical for this. I, I'm just I'm just easing up the ladder. For people who continue to listen in order of the shows, so if this was your first show, if you if you want to keep up with next week, you better go back to the first three shows we did. So next week you understand like where I'm driving this, and then we're gonna do the sex, tantra, and relationship show on February 13th, right before Valentine's Day. Now, me personally, having studied with Tanyata Saraswati, who's in the ancestral realm. It just be so crazy how they're on the same grid because Senyata, even, you know, Senyata never was a proponent of never bust a nut. Senyata was like, if you always practicing these naguns and these high-level energy arts, 
and you don't bust a nut, he said, you're going to blow your top and go crazy. That's an, that is a quote. That is a quote. He was like, you better, you know, he was like, it depends on what you're working on. You know what I'm saying? If you're working on a certain thing, like probably those kings who had three or 400 wives, they might not have been busting every time they had sex. You know what I'm saying? But I'm for certain that they wasn't going no years and years and years telling the sales of their body, we're going to go against the prime directive. Uh, any of you yeah. fellas want to comment on that? Amsel, you on the yeah, line? Who, who want to jump in on the that? Magical, that's our most magical status human and sentient beings on this planet. Right when you feel that feeling, whatever you think about, at that time, I use that and make it happen. Whatever I want, when I'm at that climax part, I think of that and I know it will be, and it's been like that. Ever since I heard Master mention that. Um, Dr. Mitchell Gibson, how you want to bring it up from your from your root all the way to the top. I haven't mastered that yet. I haven't been able to hold on to it that long. But instead of mass, instead of getting that aspect, whatever I want, right when I'm getting that good 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 feeling, I think of it right there. Mm-hmm. And I try to hold that feeling, and it happens for me. That that's just my deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From yeah, uh, yeah. from what I get from Montauk is he uh advocates cycling the energy, you know what I'm saying, not necessarily um, uh, not ejaculating, because even in the, even in his um, warm-up exercises, like there's a week or two, or there's a, there's a few weeks of, of warm-up exercise before you start the program or whatever, and he's like, ejaculate at least once a week, you know what I mean, in, a, in the regiment or what have you, but uh, the, the idea of uh, Rotating that energy, yeah, up the spinal column and around the um, the microcosmic orbit. You know what I mean? That's a that's what I hear from, or that's what I the, what I like to take from Montauk. And uh, as far as um, the actual ejaculation, it, it comes to mind that certain occult uh, sexual rituals and practices where the ejaculatory energy is is risen to an extreme height for uh for that that uh magic, you know what I'm saying? For that, that holding that whatever that group is working on, whoever's in that in that circle of, of energy, they uh I've I've come across information of study or uh reports of rituals in that in that regard. Mm. Uh, Amso, come on and jump in, please. What you got yeah, for us tonight? What, that, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a vast, uh, you know, huge subject in regards to that. Because uh, as the brother said, now you know, Manchok, they they had well, he emphasizes the 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 time or the amount according to age and everything of that nature. However, you know, just based on anatomy. Physiology, you know, like you said, the, the urge is, is there. It's just that, um, you know, this is a discussion that we, you know, we got to definitely uh, delve into because, you know, it brings up a lot of a lot of different thoughts, you know, a lot of different ideas and schools that are associated with it. And then when we see the, the issues that, you know, prostate issues that are, that are in our, in our, you know, basically amongst black folk in general, you know, that's something we definitely need to talk about and um, mm-hmm. start to get more and more information on it because, um, 
again, you know, this is this is another another uh, lid that was blown off tonight. You know, because you can go online and <laughs> everybody talking about it. Hold right. the seed, hold the seed. You know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And here I come. Here I come talking about uh nah I, I got some new and that's where we gotta be at is our ability to take in new information. I was talking about that early day. What's your teachability index when you got somebody mm-hmm. in here bringing you new information and you've been you know going with certain information? Well, I mean, my people, all of y'all, I, that's why I feel like I'm cheating because this is my clan that's on the phone right now. All of us are visionaries, exploratories. We understand the rules about humility and, you know, the man who knows nothing is the one who knows and the one who think he know it all, he don't know shit. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'm just really proud that the family came through this evening and was like, was all, like, my whole crew, all my thumpers is here right here. Like, these my, ladies, if y'all listening, if y'all don't really know these people that's on, on here, these are, these are the cats I let Put at the back door. If we got some, if you ladies up there talking, and we, and you put these these crew of fellas on the door, you ain't excuse my mm-hmm. profanity, but you got to worry about shit running up in there. Like these these, <laughs> which y'all want these these intelligent hyenas. You know what I'm saying? And we dress up and we look good too. We dress up, we be looking all clean and stuff. But man, you don't want it. You know what I'm saying? So for me, I'm super proud to have these cats. These cats who called in tonight, you know what I'm saying, the Rockwoods. I got two more people I got to open their mic real quick before we get off. 916-241, your mic is wide open. Can I get your name and where you're calling from, please? Greetings, peace, gentlemen. This is Rochelle, and I'm just tickled. I'm, I'm going to put my phone back on you and just be a fly on the wall. This is, this is a beautiful <laughs> conversation going on right here. Did you take I some stuff from the I was... I, I didn't get to take notes, but any question I thought to ask, you guys answered the questions for me. So thank you. But, yeah, I wasn't in a position. I just got the children um, getting ready for bed, so I've been doing all this with my headphones on, hoping my phone didn't drop the call. Um, okay. <laughs> but um, everything, when when he broke down the down to how big and small the matters of dimensional science and all that is. Oh, oh, I just threw my hands up because I, I, I don't have time to argue with people about what they know or what they 